Welcome to Films from the Phantom Zone. This is your podcast about failed and forgotten comic book movies, where you watch a forgotten superhero movie and decide, does this belong in the Phantom Zone to be forgotten for forever, or out and about for everyone to rewatch and remember fondly? My name is Arnaldo. I'm your host, and I'm joined by... Birdo. <gasps> Birdo! <clears throat> yeah. We've got a certain set of rules that we put together when we started this podcast two years ago. Right. Do you remember that? Yeah. We don't mention it all the time, but we... Well, we also bend them quite a bit, but who cares? It's our show. Correct. But for the most part, we do stick to it. We do stick to them. <laughs> <laughs> so the rules are what movies we can uh, consider in, in our scope of our podcast, right? right. Um, and we had said three of them. One must be a comic book superhero film. Two must be a failed franchise, meaning... They're not going to make any more of them. It's like out of they're business. done, or they've rebooted, or right. And three, you. the movie couldn't have ended on its own terms without setting up a failed sequel. Right, right. Birdo. That being said, what movie are we watching today? Constantine from two thousand five. Right. Yeah. Um. This is a movie that, by all metrics, fit our rules at the time. At at the time, <laughs> and then like two three weeks ago, maybe up to, maybe upwards of a month ago, there's news that they're gonna bring this one back to life. Like actually, like it it was made official. Like there had been rumors before, but you know that usually doesn't go anywhere. Right. Like it's usually like I would like to bring it back, but yeah, it's always like oh we're gonna make another uh, Hellboy, and then that Hellboy doesn't get made, and now it's a and reboot, then it's a reboot, and then, and then everybody hated and then, it. Yeah, I think like well you should have made Hellboy three then. Well fuck you. <laughs> In this case, yeah, yeah, we're serious. This is really happening. They're making a Constantine sequel with Keanu Reeves. And that puts us in an interesting position because we didn't get this movie in in time, so we got to rush to get it in. Yeah, we already missed out on R.I.P.D. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's another one. There's (laughs) already a trailer for the sequel. (laughs) (laughs) That one's off the list. Yeah. Uh, But I really wanted to get into this one. and I mean, preferably last month during spooky season, but whatever. Because now it's uh, any further than now, like pretty much this movie's out of our rules. It's it's off the list. Right. Now that it's a continued franchise, but we did it anyway. So, yeah, a little bend of the rules, I guess. <laughs> oh, we got people. Oh, by the way, we're live on um, Twitch. We record all these episodes live on Twitch every week, uh, Monday nights, uh, twitch.tv slash films from PZ. Come and hang out. We got a couple people here. Hanging out, we'll refer to the chat every now and then. Anyway, our good friend Jorge in the chat says, "No fucking way, no fucking way." Yes, he's very excited. I think he likes this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're gonna get at the very least one more of these. I'm learning a lot about um these set of were they Dark Horse, but DC Vertigo, Bo- Vertigo, Vertigo, Vertigo. Sorry, characters that sometimes exist in the DC universe and sometimes it's kind of a tenuous, right? Right, yeah. Just depending uh, on what they're allowed to do, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so recently, guys, um, if you're new to the show, we've done reviews. We've been doing a lot of reviews lately because we've had um, Werewolf by Night, Black Adam, Black Panther. Uh, Guardians Holiday Specials this week, by oh, the way. Oh, is it? Yeah. Cool, so that's what we're doing next week, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, we've also did a Halloween special uh, with Blake's takes, um, and Sable, and then uh, I think we also did an ep- oh our last proper episode was on the movie man thing, right? So check those out; those are all available now. But basically, what we're gonna do here, we're gonna go over background uh, for these characters, uh, the initial expectations, recap the plot, analyze the movie to the best of our ability, keeper cancel. We're gonna talk about Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this; this is the best time to be Keanu Reeves. 
It's like a resurgence. It's a resurgence. He's having a great time. Um, And then lastly, we will decide whether this movie belongs in the Phantom Zone to be forgotten or not. So anyway, background. Birdo, what do you know about Constantine, the comic book character that you can share (laughs) with me and our our friends? All right. Well, John Constantine, um, he was created by a few people. Uh, One of them is Alan Moore himself. That blew my mind when I saw he's I didn't know that at all. Yeah. It's an Alan Moore creation. Yeah, and Alan Moore hates everything. He hates everything. <laughs> he famously hates everything. He's like a weird anarchist. Yeah, he was, he was yeah. involved in the creation of this character. And his first appearance was actually in issue number 32 of Swamp Thing in 1985. That's insane. Yeah. Um, And we talked about Swamp Thing and Man Thing both in our man thing episode yeah how like they're like yeah sort of similar, similar characters but uh, they're also very different actually you know what we didn't mention about swamp thing and man thing they were written i learned this by listening to um our good friend chris's podcast okay. uh assembly required they when they were talked about um they didn't talk about man thing they talked about uh werewolf by night mm-hmm. man thing and swamp thing were written by two people who lived together. They were roommates <laughs> and they were created at the same exact time. And then much later, I think Marvel wanted to sue DC over this and they were asked, did you guys share these ideas? And they, they swore that they did not. No, we just, it just, they ha- both, both thought about swamp monsters at the same time. Maybe they watched something. Uh, I, it might have been you know, like one Creature of the, from the Black Lagoon or yeah, something. Yeah, or they got high together. But I thought that was fascinating <laughs> when I heard that. So thanks, you guys, for uh, teaching me that. Yeah, that's pretty on. cool, actually. But yeah, his first appearance in Swamp Thing, um, he just kind of showed up just as a supernatural advisor to Swamp Thing. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. His look is based on the singer-songwriter Sting. Oh. If you look at a picture, you can... Well, he's... It's very obvious. He's blonde. Yeah. He's, he's blonde. He's Obviously not blonde, in this yeah. movie, but... No, he looks nothing like Keanu Reeves, no. actually. Also, the character's British. Okay. <laughs> Eventually, Constantine gets his own comic run titled Hellblazer in 1988. It didn't start off as a Vertigo publication because I don't think Vertigo was made yet. So it was still... I guess it was just a DC comic at the time. Okay. And then it became a Vertigo comic. That was in 1993, the year I was born. And it became the longest-running Vertigo Sorry, sorry, title. you were born in 93? Yeah, I was born in 93. Well, I was born in 88, which is when Hellblazer was first. Oh, shit. Oh, no, that's funny. It was two years right there. It's you and me. Whoa. All right, go on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Hellblazer became the longest uh, continuously published Vertigo title. Okay. So, obviously, pretty successful character. So, is Hellblazer <laughs> just Constantine's comic? Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't know if that was like a like an anthology or like there was several comics. No, it's uh, he's, several characters he's known in as it. the Hellblazer at okay. certain got it points. But during uh, Hellblazer's Vertigo run, there was an editorial policy that forbade the use of Constantine outside of the Vertigo line, so he could cross over oh. with other Vertigo stuff, but not into like the DC DC universe line? like proper. Okay, for a while. Wow, until 2011. And that's when that policy was reversed, and we got a version of Constantine that appeared in the DC Universe crossover series, Brightest Day. And then when the new 52 rolled around, he was one of the inaugural key Mem- roster members of Justice League Dark, okay, which was yeah. a new 52 series. Uh, they were going to make a Justice League Dark film with Guillermo del Toro, at least producing cool. it. 
And that's one of the 15 projects that DC has announced and then never mentioned again. <laughs> so, um, and, and this is a sidebar. Uh, recently, James Gunn said, and I was sharing this on the Discord. Join our Discord, by the way. James Gunn had replied to a tweet where someone asked, there, I read somewhere that you will be announcing like DC's future plans in the next few months. And he oh, said, they're and working he said, on like a roadmap. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he he basically confirmed it. But he and deleted then, the tweet. He right? deleted the tweet. And then he re-upped the tweet where it said, and in parentheses, Warner Brothers doesn't know I said that or something like oh. that. <laughs> Which made me laugh because I'm not entirely sure Warner Brothers knows or has thought too hard about how candid he is on Twitter. Right. Because he spends a lot of time on Twitter responding to us like regular people. Yeah. Which is awesome. Which is I think. good. Yes. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't see Kevin Feige doing that, is all I'm saying. No, because so. Ke- <laughs> Kevin Feige, is, I feel like, is also the one trying to keep everybody else. Like, he's trying to hold right. everyone else's reins yeah. from doing what James Gunn's doing. Yeah. James Gunn's <laughs> like, oh, fuck it. I'll tell you. <laughs> Feige's all about, like, well, I'm sure Disney has a part to do with this, but, like, you know, he's very keep things producer. under wraps. Yeah. And, yeah. Until they're ready to announce it. So I have a question for you. So yeah. is that why he's crossed over with Sandman before? Because they were both Vertigo comics. Yes. Okay. That makes some more sense. And the Sandman thing, I'm confused as to whether that's actually a separate universe or not. Because there's a lot of weird stuff that happens in Sandman. Well, no. Apparently, Sa- a Sandman is, is mostly his own thing. But he has crossed over here and there. Yeah. he like I know like, there he's have been, been Batman in it. And I know uh, Constantine's like ancestors are a part of the Sandman storyline. Mm. So you have like Lady Joanna Constantine okay. and what I find super interesting is that and I don't know if, if you go on to research any of this mm-hmm. that we've had three different television shows now based on the characters of Constantine Lucifer and Sandman and yeah. they all exist in each other's stories quite often yes and we've got these situations where like kind of like DC proper in the movies where they're each played by a diff- they don't actually cross over and so you've got like a, a different actor playing Lucifer I think Lucifer in the TV show Constantine crossed over I Did think they? so uh in the CW verse because it was on like one of the okay. crisis things but then in Sandman there is a different Lucifer I think I think the Sandman show is its, its own, own thing yeah. yeah so I just think it's I think it's funny but yeah, but- the, like Lucifer and like the Constantine show Constantine also showed up in Legends of Tomorrow. Okay. And and yeah, all of that just kind of got like intertwined together. Interesting. Yeah, but uh the Sandman show I think is its own thing. I'm not sure. I don't think John Constantine's in the show. I kind of want to watch Lucifer now. I'm interested in it now too after watching this seasons movie long, and then reading yeah. about it. I'm like, "Huh. Maybe that's a good show." But yeah, um John Constantine was also one of the few people like in universe that was aware of the crisis on infinite earths and he actually foresaw that it was going to happen okay and that's it on just like facts and stuff um now i'll just talk about like the character himself a little bit right so uh he was born in liverpool some english place well yeah everyone knows (laughs) liverpool because that's where the beatles are from but um yeah his mother dies giving birth to him and his stillborn twin brother John had strangled his twin brother in the womb with his umbilical cord. Yeah, he's kind of got a... There's a lot of fucked up shit here. (laughs) And because of these events, um, John's father blames him for his mother's death, and they they just don't like each other. Jeez. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
And then uh, later on, he finds out that his bloodline ancestry were known as the Laughing Magicians, who are legendary mages who have the power over synchronicity and were infamous for bluffing and tricking gods. This ancestry later drives John Constantine to partake in his lineage and practice magic. Uh, one of his first acts of magic as a child was to hide all of his childhood innocence and vulnerability in a box to rid himself of it. So, like, literally put his vulnerability in a box. Yep. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this is not a happy guy okay. <laughs> by any means. So this isn't a metaphor. Like, it actually no, went he in like, a box. No, he, like, he actually did that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, as a teenager, he ran away from home, found himself in London, where he befriended Francis Chaz Chandler, who becomes his closest and longest living friend. I thought that was an interesting fact that his longest living friend. His other friends are all demons and shit. Either dead or like some sort of supernatural. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um he eventually becomes involved in occult circles while he's in London and he visits other countries as well. He actually meets uh Zatanna Zatara in San Francisco. Okay. But she's um this is probably when they could do the crossovers then. Yes. Because she's a like, DC character. Yeah, this is like after some yeah. like, you know, let's retcon a little bit. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, around this time, he also forms a punk band called Mucus Membrane. God damn it, what? <laughs> <laughs> and on top of that, he also spent some time as a street magician, where he became famous for predicting the assassination attempt on President Ronald Reagan. <laughs> oh, so this is like a time this jump is like, thing? This is like around like... So it's the 60s, 80s, then. Oh, 80s, yeah. Punk and stuff. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But yeah, the first time he tried to do anything heroic, it turned out to be a disaster. So while he was on tour with his band, Mucus Membrane, at the Casanova Club in Newcastle, he found the aftermath of a magical orgy that went horribly wrong. Apparently, an abused child named Astra Logue, uh, she conjured a monster that took revenge on her father, who was the owner of this club, and the other adults who were tormenting her. But after this happened, the monster didn't leave. So it just kind of stuck around, just started wrecking shit. John convinced members of his band, along with several of his occultist friends, to try to stop the creature by summoning a demon. They didn't have control over this demon because he didn't summon it using its true name. Oh, okay. Which was Nurgle. I guess he used uh, a different name. There's I, apparently there's a lot, a lot of rules to summoning controlling demons in this Surely. universe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like something you want to triple check. Oh. Right, right. <laughs> He was just being reckless. You, you ever heard measure twice, cut once? Yeah. 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 How yeah. about you pronounce twice, conjure once? <laughs> but yeah, he, he couldn't control this demon. And this demon actually goes on to be like a recurring antagonist throughout Hellblazer. Nurgle. Nurgle. Okay. Yeah. Uh, after this whole incident, uh, John suffered a nervous breakdown. And he was uh, committed to Ravenscar Psychiatric Hospital. Uh, where he, you know, he was just in and out of there over the years. Okay. Um, but the reason why this, um, like scarred him so much was because that girl that he was trying to save, she ends up in hell anyway. Oh. Yeah. It's like a big failure to him. It's a big feudal, yeah. Yeah. And then years later, he meets up with Swamp Thing, which is where his first actual comic book appearance is. Right. This is all kind of a retcon origin or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he becomes, um, a protector, guide, and voice of Omen to Swamp Thing, and he even teaches Swamp Thing to amplify his powers. Oh, wow. They become good friends, have a bunch of adventures together, and 
some of the weird scenarios they get themselves into is Swamp Thing using John's body to make love to his wife and father a child. What the fuck? <laughs> so Swamp Thing is he he like possessed Constantine's body to do this? Yes. Christ. Together, they also stopped the Damnation Army from summoning the Antichrist. Hey, that almost happens in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Swamp Thing gets an invite to Constantine's 40th birthday. Hey, that's nice. <laughs> um, good, good buddies. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that, In the chat, uh, Jorge says, I believe it's a Catholic thing, too, actually. But oh, with like the true name of the demons and stuff? Oh, interesting. Aren't you Catholic? I don't know about summoning demons. Oh, um, Man. I, am, I am Catholic, though. I have some insight uh, <laughs> later on when we get to the movie. Go okay. On. In his late 30s, uh, Constantine contracted terminal lung cancer. This is because he is a chain smoker. A habitual smoker, yeah. Yeah, it's actually like a big part of his character. Yeah. I think that kind of thing is just because he looks really cool on the cover. Right. And they decided <laughs> to make it a, like a part of his character. Right, and right. then they're like, well, if you smoke every fucking day. If he's smoking in every panel, this is going to catch up to him, right? Exactly. Yeah. So he gets lung cancer because, of well. course, he does. <laughs> During this time, he sought the help of a dying friend, Brendan, who had sold his soul to the first of the fallen. It's the most powerful lord of hell. There's various lords of hell. The first is obviously the like first. Lucifer, devil, or... I don't even think it's Is like Lucifer. It? I think it's just... Oh, someone else? Yeah. Okay. But when the first came to collect uh, Brendan's soul, John tricked him into drinking holy water, which rendered him helpless and prevented him from collecting oh, his friend's soul. Smart. But yeah, uh, because he did this, the first promises to make John suffer unprecedented torment in hell when he dies. And, you know, he's already dying. Okay. <laughs> so he's just waiting for him to die. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm taking you to hell. Like, hmm. I'm doing it. Um, but John comes up with a plan to save himself. Um, so what he did was he secretly sold his soul to the other two lords of hell. Jesus. And uh, when they discovered this, they realized that they can't let him die or else they'd be forced to go to war over his soul. Because he owes his soul to all three of them. Right. And that would create a problem when he arrives. Exactly. Oh, Okay clever yeah because it's said that like the only winner of the war would be the lord of the hosts which would be god and his angels so i guess if they go to war over constantine like god comes out on top and they don't want that they, right okay yeah <laughs> so they just cured john of his cancer nice <laughs> uh kind of spoilers for this movie it doesn't go that different than that no, not that. I mean, it's there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah, yeah there's some similarities. Yeah. It's not like it's the exact same thing, but yeah, yeah, a little bit of that happens here, yeah. But uh, because of all this, because of John basically like cheating, not just death, but hell, uh-huh. the first Lord, he, he gets uh, real upset and plots a grand revenge on Constantine. And then later in his life, uh, John actually eventually manages to free Astra and every other child in hell. So no more children in hell. That's a good thing. Um, hey, look at him go. He did yeah. some good shit. But uh, after he does this, he also gets in contact with God and blackmails him. <laughs> he blackmails him in order to keep his own soul away from hell. So okay. like, he's just he really doesn't want to go to hell. Right. I mean, who would? <laughs> right. If you want to hear about other versions of Constantine, you could check out uh, the Justice League Dark, the comic titled Constantine, the New 52. And then um, in the DC Rebirth, there's his comic called The Hellblazer. Okay. Or you can read The Sandman, which he makes appearances in. 
Hey guys, it's time for a quick break and we will be back in a flash. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. I have no knowledge about the Sandman other than I watched the first episode. <laughs> and you thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was pretty good, yeah. <laughs> I'd be interested yeah. in watching more episodes. No, but, uh, yeah, Constantine's a very complicated character. Um, this isn't like a easy comic book character to like learn about or read about like there's just there's so much here clearly yeah. and a lot of it's like with like god and hell and yeah angels and demons and a lot of religion too so <laughs> i think what makes constantine super interesting for me is that it's fictionalized christianity catholic dogma and mm-hmm. like occult shit and that doesn't sell super well even though it is incredibly interesting it and, is i mean does it sell well because it's like... I don't know, because you got Supernatural, which went on for 15 seasons, and in concept, it's not that different. Yeah, and you also have like Dan Brown movies. What was the first one called? Because I can think of The first movie is Da Vinci Code. Da Vinci Code, the first Angels book and Demons. was Angels and Demons, though, okay. so, yeah. Which, so is, I like the books. I don't like the movies that much. I only saw Da Vinci Code. I think the movies are kind of boring. I thought it was a little too uh, National Treasury, you know? <laughs> it was basically like, here's Catholic National Treasury. You know, yeah. but like the, obviously the church doesn't like shit like this. No, because and, <laughs> no, they don't. And there's a lot of religious it, it, people that will religious. Yeah, yeah, it is. And there's a lot of uh, religious people that will straight up boycott this kind of thing. And for a long time, you couldn't make stuff like this. Like studios wouldn't touch religious fiction or at least Christian religious fiction. Right. I mean, they won't touch some other fiction, too. You can't touch like Muslim fiction either, because that is so against their beliefs that extremist groups will, will resort to you. violence. Yeah. yeah. South Park tried to do it and they had to pull their episode. <laughs> and the creators still wanted to do it. Because <laughs> they're you're not you're like, like, fuck you, we're not pulling this in Comedy Central it's like, yes, we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the Passion of the Christ was not studio funded. It, Mel Gibson had to fund it himself. Yeah, no studio wanted to touch it. Yeah. And now it's played in churches everywhere. Well, and that's funny <laughs> because that's a movie that, that he made close enough to the bible to where churches like they're, they're like all right this, is, this good. is good and they endorsed it and so that was a different outcome than a lot of other things like say like kevin smith's dogma <laughs> right <laughs> or, or this uh, is the end or the last temptation of christ that was a very oh, do people not like that one that was a very hard no they hate it oh because that movie plays an inner monologue basically of jesus like consciousness Right. Like his stream of consciousness uh, yeah. while going through the passion and being tempted. So like in it, like he has like sex, basically, which is like no go. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you watch the movie, the movie's not about him actually doing these things. It's that he was tempted to do them. Right. He was still human. He's human. That's the whole point is that he he has the the support of God, but he is not God himself. Right. Especially at this point in his life. He still has human temptations, and he well, has that's to. Why he's able to be crucified and killed? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the whole point. And so I think that movie. Who made that movie? It was um, 
Martin Scorsese. Scorsese. I think it was, I'm pretty sure that was a Scorsese film. It is. It is. Yeah. Oh, so it's a masterpiece. I mean, <laughs> here's the thing. Go look for it. You can't find it. No. Because, again, these studios don't want to put that kind of stuff out there and be surrounded in controversy. But it's like, right. hey, I'm sorry. You can and still tell interesting I'm, stories with that, though. I'm not devout, but I am a semi-practicing Catholic. Right. Um, I believe you're fairly Christian as well. Right. Like, semi-practicing. Sure. No one, nothing's off the table. Everything is open to criticism, yeah, analysis, absolutely. and even ridicule. Yeah. And you have to deal with that. That's like tough titties. That's the world. Mm-hmm. That's the country mm-hmm. we live in. Like you get, I'm sorry. Like they're going to make stuff about you. So it's, deal with it's it. It's fine. And it's why I'm so fascinated with them bringing back Constantine because watching this movie, I was like, oh, you can't make this movie anymore. Like you kind of because of these things, because of the controversy that surrounds making religious movies and having churches like outspokenly boycott you. And let's not forget, like nowadays, there is that hurts as much as it used to, though. Well, here's the other thing. There's a lot more domestic terrorism nowadays than there were than there was back then. Uh, That part's true. So what bull are you poking at? By mm-hmm. making a religious movie, a religious fiction movie, you know? right? Uh, what I, the reason why I think Constantine might be able to get away with it more is because it's just they can pass it as it's just a comic book movie, guys. I mean, I guess, but like, I don't know. Some <laughs> of the shit in this movie, I was like, oh fuck! Like, <laughs> if people in the church saw this, they would not be happy. They'd be upset that I'm <laughs> watching this. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. But anyway, let's get right into it. Initial expectations. Have you seen this movie before, actually? I had seen, like, clips of it and stuff. I'm familiar with it. I have never actually sat down and watched it, though. Oh, really? Yeah. This is your first time. Mm-hmm. Do you have any expectations, like, knowing uh, the era or whatever? I I had always heard from, like, word of mouth that it was good, but everything I read about this movie told me that I shouldn't like it. Really? Yeah. So I was always just kind of like, I don't know what to expect, like, whenever I do watch this. What did you read to make you think that? Uh, reviews aren't super favorable for this movie. Are they really? Yeah. I haven't even looked at them. It's probably good, honestly. <laughs> this movie doesn't have a great score. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah, in general, you shouldn't read reviews if you are about to go on a thing and talk about your thoughts on a movie, I think. Yeah. Like, if I know I'm doing something for, like, a movie that's coming out, I don't listen... Like, for this podcast, I don't watch anything no because you want to have your own thoughts on it i don't want anything even subconsciously informing my thoughts Mm -hmm. yeah i want to go in on my own and then later i'll be like oh other people thought this or whatever i I had saw the reviews like years and years ago sure yeah but um it's over 15 years old so yeah i'd always heard from actual people that it's a good movie but from like various like media sources i had heard it's not that great (laughs) i've seen this movie several times but i hadn't seen it in probably over a decade Okay. So, like, I remembered very little because uh, I grew up Catholic, and then uh, when I became, like, a teenager, I got edgy. I got, like... Oh, this movie <laughs> fits that bill perfectly. Exactly. So, I was really into, like, edgy Christian movies. Edgy Christian um, <laughs> Like this, or, like, Boondock I'm Saints, I'm or, like... i you didn't watch Supernatural. Yeah, I didn't. never got into that. Uh, I, I think you would have liked it at that age. I was into that kind of thing. I loved religious fiction. <laughs> Did you ever watch that movie Legion? The movie Legion, not the TV show. Yeah, the movie. So not X-Men really. No, no. This is about no. like uh, like angels and stuff. No. Oh, that's another like edgy. Oh, I would have liked that. I love Dogma. <laughs> but Dogma's hilarious though. Dogma's like a comedy, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a comedy. Isn't that movie hard to find too? 
Yes, for oh. the same exact reasons. <laughs> they just don't want to put these movies out there. Right. They like to pretend they don't exist. They don't want Prince to of Egypt people. was impossible to find until they for a re-released long time. it like a couple years a ago. A couple years ago they re-released it on like Blu-ray and I was dumbfounded that they did that because forever they were ignoring that it existed. That's an incredible movie too. It was also No. Wasn't it the first Dreamworks animated film? Yes. And they were directly competing yeah, with Disney? Yeah. Yes. And so they put in all the money they got. They siphoned as many people from Disney as they could to make that movie. Incredible film also. They got a great voice cast yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this era of movies, early 2000s, it was just especially comic book movies like Daredevil, Ghost Rider, they're so fucking edgy <laughs> to their own fault. Even <laughs> X-Men for sure. Yeah. To some extent, yeah. And we've talked about um, a lot of those films already. So I was kind of afraid that maybe I liked it because I was young and I was in that era and I was kind of, you know, open minded to see like what would I would think about it this time going in as an adult, a little bit more unbiased, objective, you know? Right. But anyway, let's get into the plot. <laughs> Words on the screen. I, don't, I need a better way of saying this when the movie starts, but we get so many of this, but text on the screen. Yeah. He who possesses the spear of destiny holds the fate of the world in his hands. The Spear of Destiny has been missing since the end of World War II. Oh. Ho. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what else this gave me, uh, reminded me of a Hellboy. Yeah, Hell- yeah. Hellboy toys with this kind of occult religious fiction, and right? And I, I love the concept of that just in general. Like, I'm so here for it. Like, mixing, like, occult stuff with, like, either modern day stuff or, like, historical stuff that we're already familiar with. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. I love that. Oh, The Ninth Gate. Have you ever seen The Ninth Gate? I've heard that title before i've never seen it's a it. johnny depp film as in johnny depp's in it. he didn't direct it <laughs> okay it's pretty good i saw it fairly recently like maybe i don't know six seven years ago but it's older uh okay. and it's it's about like this guy who's like an antiquities dealer and he focuses on like occult antiquities okay i think it's pretty good like every time i see it i'm like it's not a very straightforward film but I think it's fine to pretty good, and it's okay. very interesting, I think. Huh. The Ninth Gate. kind of want to watch it now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Mexico. A man salvaging finds a hidden crate in the ground. There inside, an ancient-looking dagger wrapped in a Nazi flag. He is then immediately struck by a car that crumbles against his body. The man walks away unscathed. Yeah, so this intro, him finding, like, the, the blade destiny, from the spear. yeah. Uh, him finding that like wrapped up in a Nazi flag that did make me think of Hellboy. Like, yeah, 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 a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Well, I I love also historical fiction. I think it's fucking so cool. Yeah. Because there is a certain fascination with history, but like history can be boring sometimes. So like, what yeah. if history was more edgy and entertaining? You know. Well, I think the reason why like stuff like like occult stuff and the Nazi connection is so interesting is because they actually believed in that stuff. Oh no, it's real. They were researching that stuff. Yeah, it's real. Actually. There is a, a nugget of truth here, um, and I'm going to get into it a little bit later about the dagger, but the dagger is semi-real. Okay. Like, there there are three daggers or spears of destiny, um, and no one knows. So, and, and the movie goes on to explain, the, the spear of destiny is the knife that they used to stab Jesus with while he was crucified, right? right? It, it What is what some consider might have been the killing blow, mm-hmm. right? That relic... There's three of them that, you know, scholars think could be the one, right? And they were in various museums. Hitler really did take one of them. Oh, okay. Um, I think in my notes I put that he stole it. Uh, Steel is a weird word because his regime, like, had 
legitimacy over this area and so, so like legally it wasn't stealing yeah but like he just took it because he like he owned all this land now because he took fucking took it by force right but yes. anyway but he basically <laughs> stole it but he stole it because it was because he stole the it was in well, austria he, in austria he like, stole the country yeah like, right right <laughs> so it depends on how you want to word it but like whatever but yeah some of this is actually real Huh. Which I think is incredibly interesting. That's... It was recovered, obviously, and now it's back in some other museum. The one that was in Vienna has a name. Anyway, we'll get into it later. Okay. Also, I, I have some wild other connections uh, about the dagger. Okay. Or the spear. They call it a spear, but it's a fucking dagger. Like, spear it... implies this long pole situation, right? I think it was just the blade that was at the end of the pole. Uh-huh. Right, yeah. right, right. In Los Angeles, John Constantine is called by a priest who failed to exorcise a demon from a girl seen crawling on the ceiling. That was creepy. The exorcist vibes right there. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, Constantine calmly introduces himself to the demon, but then desperately demands a large mirror and yells to his younger driver, Chaz Kramer, to move the taxi below. Hey, that's his longest living friend, Chaz. His longest living friend, played by a teenager. (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah, Shia LaBeouf was Shia in LaBeouf, this movie. Yeah. <laughs> was, what? Were you surprised to see him? I, he was. You didn't know he was in I this? I didn't know he was I in I knew this. he was in this. I'd seen this movie before. Um, a young Shia LaBeouf, too. He's like 16, This maybe. is before Transformers. Yeah, it is. Yeah. A couple years. It's like right after Disney Channel, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, the neighbors hold the mirror above the bed, restricting the girl and her demon tenant within. Constantine says an incantation, and the demon is trapped in its reflection within the mirror. The mirror is launched out the window and shatters on the car below, effectively killing the demon. This was a pretty cool intro to the movie, pretty actually. Pretty cool, an intro yeah. intro to his character. Yeah. First time we see him, he performs an exorcism, basically. Mm-hmm. I think what this movie does really well is that it tells you a lot through action and not through dialogue. Yeah. And right off the bat, you meet Constantine, and he seems to be bored by this. Like, he gets there, and he's like, yep. Cool, you should have called me earlier. This is boring. Like, he does a million of these. Yeah. People are terrified that, like, this girl has been possessed by a demon, and he doesn't He's think just walking twice and about it. a cigarette. Yeah, puts out the cigarette. He's like, yeah, whatever. Let's get this over with. Then he sees something off, and suddenly he's like, oh, we need a mirror, like, right <laughs> now. And so you see his attitude change and so now you realize like this isn't like a regular possession yeah this isn't normal anymore something's off Mm -hmm. here and he's scared and now i'm interested like that's not spoon fed to you it's just done in it's done through like his body language yeah the body language the acting it's in the script but it's not in the dialogue yeah that's really good i think this made me like i don't know something about keanu reeves when he's like saying lines and stuff, I don't know. Like, I'm not super convinced, but his body language when he's acting is so good. I think he's a good actor. I think he's got an odd, he's got an odd way of speaking tone to his voice that can come off as like monotone a little bit. Okay. And I think a lot of people confuse monotone speakers with bad actors. True. Like Hayden Christensen is another one. I'm not saying he's a good actor. I'm saying he <laughs> he has an extra hurdle to jump through because he's a little bit monotone. It's just the way he speaks. And this yeah. is the way he talks. Yeah. So even if he gave a great performance, someone's going to be like, oh, well, he's not that good. He's a bit wooden. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Keanu Reeves, and we're going to talk about him for Keeper Cancel. I don't think he's a horrible actor by any stretch of the imagination. I, and that's the thing. I All the good acting I see from him, it, it's more like physical stuff that he's doing. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. Maybe it's because he's a little monotone. Just the way he speaks, I'm just uh-huh. like, I'm not totally convinced. But then he does something. I'm like, oh, he's a good actor. He's just like, 
he can't not play a character that's just too cool for school because that's just who he is. You know what I mean? <laughs> I guess, yeah. So he's kind of in a box in that in that sense, I think. But Constantine takes back a holy trinity necklace from the priest and he and Chaz return to his apartment above a bowling alley. Meanwhile, a policewoman named Angela confesses to a priest that she's killed another man and asks why she always seems to know where and when to shoot to kill the bad people. She has a nightmare where she sees herself as a psych patient jumping off the roof of a hospital. The next day, she investigates the apparent suicide of the girl in her dream, her twin sister, just as she envisioned it. Before I knew that was her twin sister, I was really tripped Confused. out. Yeah, yeah, me too. I Well, I thought she's just living out like the dreams she's in her dream she's living out these deaths and then they're happening mm-hmm. which is the plot of another movie and i can't remember it oh anyway we can move on john constantine a notorious chain smoker is diagnosed with lung cancer he acquires rare antiquities as holy weapons from his downstairs guy in a chair that's just what i'm gonna call him throughout this and expresses concern about the demon from earlier who seemed to be coming through the girl's body the weapons dealer is stunned and reminds him that demons can use us like puppets, but they cannot come to our plane of existence. Then this guy also kind of remind you of like Q from 007 where he's like showing him. Yeah, that's kind of his role. Yeah. Right. Like, he's he's, like oh, yeah, look at this thing. Yeah. He gets him his weapons, but his weapons aren't regular weapons. They're holy weapons. Right. So like here's some holy water. Yeah. Here's dragon's breath. Yeah, it's like a flamethrower. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it is pretty cool. Later on, he uses a like a holy shotgun. A holy shotgun. Doesn't he have like a holy like grenade launcher? It looks like a grenade launcher. It might just be a shotgun. I think it's a shotgun. Yeah. It looks like a fucking grenade launcher. It looks like a shotgun with like an extra. It, it, it's almost like a. It's got like the little spinny thing where you load the shells in. It's almost like a crossbow, but it's it's literally a cross shotgun. And he, it's like gold. He also has holy uh, brass knuckles, which we'll get to. <laughs> which is great it's a great i kind of love this it, it movie al- it almost felt comedic when he pulled those out though <laughs> i kind of fucking love this movie is all i'm saying good way of kind of uh explaining to us the rules of the of the um universe yeah. right you don't want two characters to act like they should that they wouldn't be having this conversation normally and they're only having it for us Mm-hmm. Right. It's almost like when you see a couple of bad guys are about to do a thing and they're like, remind me what the plan is again. Oh, you idiot. The plan <laughs> is <laughs> right. We get the Batman. <laughs> In this case, though, you've got one guy who's like, hey, I saw this thing that shouldn't be happening. And the other guy's like, you're right. That shouldn't be happening because, you know, the rules. They're not supposed to do that. And he's like, yeah, that seems more organic. But look it up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yeah. But please just do some research for me. Uh, I also like that he compares uh, Chaz to uh, Tonto or Robin, like classic sidekick characters. Right. He also makes a reference to Sancho Panza. Is that when he says, uh, oh, like the skinny guy with the fat friend? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Don Quixote and Sancho Panza. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Basically his, his sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> Constantine visits the archangel Gabriel, who appears human, but John can see her wings. Played by Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. All right, so Gabriel, you would assume a guy's name, played by Tilda Swinton, but aren't angels like genderless? Well, she's made to appear androgynous. Isn't that how they're described also? I guess. Yeah, sure. Hmm. So maybe she's perfect casting. She's perfect casting for a lot of roles, honestly. She's a great actor. (laughs) I love Tilda Swinton. 
I think she's so good. Yep. And I think she's perfect she's really in this good movie. In this. She's and this very movie is Fantastic. You would believe her to be an angel. All I'm saying, like, she yep. really sells it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he pleads for more time to be rid of his lung cancer or to secure his passage into heaven, which Gabriel denies. Yeah, she denies, like, all of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she says God doesn't work like that and that the righteous acts he has performed have been for selfish reasons. He claims he didn't ask for the ability to see angels and demons. She also says he's fucked. I, you know, this movie is, I'm pretty sure it's rated R. I thought um, it was PG-13. Really? Because, I don't know, they say... They don't they, get that... They say the F word a couple times, don't they? I think they only say it this one time. Oh, well then it's a perfect use of your one fuck. <laughs> when she leans in, she's like, you I think Constantine's fucked. PG-13. Oh, okay. Let me check with There's that. There's a fair so amount of blood, like a, too. It's R, Okay. I told you. They it, say it, fuck it feels more. like kind of a light R, though. They say, it is a light R. They say fuck more than once. Okay. Yeah, so basically his abilities... I mean, the only ones that they cover in this movie is that he has, like, special sight. He can see, he can see the demons. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they show him doing, like, some spells and stuff, too. Kind of. Yeah, but that's stuff he's probably learned. Right. Um, Which, are I mean, they isn't innate... that what magic is, though? Yeah. Are they innate abilities? I don't know. He has the ability to do those things, I guess. Right. But... But he's not like a magician like in the comics. Right. Sure. Yeah. Detective Angela watches her sister's suicide video where in just one playback, it seems like she looks at the camera and says, Constantine. Meanwhile, Constantine fights a demon made up of thousands of locusts, centipedes, and the occasional crab. (laughs) I like that little crab. He just kind of walks away at the end. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Constantine enters a bar for both neutral angels and demons to visit witch doctor midnight. He seeks counsel for the seemingly impossible demon encounter he just witnessed and to use the chair. Denied, he runs into Balthasar on the way out. So, uh... Balthasar is a legit devil, isn't he? The name adds up to that because I've heard that name used in so many things usually referring to like some sort of creature from hell not always a demon though oh fuck I'm stupid it's a French restaurant in New York cool Balthazar is one of the three magi oh okay he's the one that brings myrrh oh why is he uh, why is he evil why is he a bad guy yeah he's like a legit saint (laughs) maybe there's more than one Balthazar oh he's the black one I don't know if you ever see like uh, like a nativity scene out of the yeah. three wise men, one's black. That's Balthazar. That's Balthazar. Oh, nice. King of Macedonia gave the gift of myrrh. Yeah, I guess I was confused. I don't know. Well, uh, in this, he's a bad guy. In this, he's a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the Papa Midnight is played by... Digimon, Digimon Hansu. Hansu. Who's in like everything, I feel like. Yeah, he's cool. He's in a lot of like <laughs> this geeky er- stuff. This is an early role for him, I know. Yeah. This is before Blood Diamond, right? Because that's the first thing I saw him in was Blood Diamond. I think Blood Diamond's like 06 or 07. Okay, yeah. 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 Wow. Neat. I like him a lot. As oh, an yeah, actor. I like him too. <laughs> Having heard of his reputation for the occult, Angela finds Constantine seeking his help and theorizing her sister would have never killed herself. Constantine shows her the door, but changes his mind after seeing creatures flying outside. He explains to her that long ago, God and the devil made a wager over the souls of all mankind. Neither angel nor demon can make contact with humans, but they can influence us. Just then, the flying creatures surround them as the streetlights go out. Constantine creates a blinding light and sends them all away. He theorizes that they're after her, and suddenly believes her story that 
her devout Catholic twin sister wouldn't commit suicide. I love how here, like, the, the smell of the sulfur makes her, like, throw up. Oh, yeah. You know how demons, like, smell of sulfur? It's in a lot of lore. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> was that not from his... It was from the I think it's from demons. the demons. Oh, yeah. okay, 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 okay. I just want to say, the year's 2005 or whatever. This is the era where we thought you can do anything in CGI and it'll, and it'll look fine. They tried to do a lot with CGI in this movie. Uh, it doesn't uh, look terrible in this movie. No, though. a lot of it works really well, I yeah. think. Some of it didn't age great. There's one but... thing that stuck out to me, and that's it. It's the f- talking face. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I thought that was bad. I thought everything else was pretty good. I thought this movie was filmed very well. Uh, we'll get into it later, obviously. And so it it's a nice kind of... Use the CGI only when you really need to. A lot of this scene is played in the dark. Yeah. And a you lot of this movie's in the dark. Yeah, like the whole point is that you're supposed to be scared. It's kind of a horror trope, right? You don't mm-hmm. see the monsters. You hear them. And your and imagination kind of does the rest. Yeah. And then he finally kind of lights them up. You only see them for a second. And they so, kind of look like parademons. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, sure. <laughs> the pair go to Angela's sister's apartment to see if she actually went to hell. Constantine sticks his feet in a pot of water and stares at her cat's eyes until he's transported to hell, a fiery, windy, desolate version of Los Angeles surrounded by soldier demons. He finds Isabella, the sister, and relives her final moments, ripping off her hospital wristband and falling to her death. Constantine grabs the band and escapes. This is a really cool sequence. And then you find out that like this is all happening within like a second of like time in the real world. Like, she hadn't even finished closing the, the door yet. The door is closing, yeah. yeah. She hadn't even I finished closing the door yet. I didn't notice that, actually. Yeah. Now that you mention it, later on, they do the whole thing about how time works weird when you go to hell or whatever. Yeah, because he said um, two minutes can feel like an eternity there. Mm. Yeah. I like that uh, she's now learning about all this occult shit. <laughs> he's like, and asks about the cats. And he's like, oh, yeah. no, cats are good. Well, at least half in, half out. <laughs> <laughs> Cats are not the devil, okay? <laughs> <laughs> if this movie were real, where would your cats lie? <sighs> They'd be good. There, uh, there's a part in this movie where you see an angel and a demon kind of square off against each other. Is that where you see your two cats? <laughs> yep. Snowball's the angel. Snowball's the angel. <laughs> Momo's a little bit of a demon. That's <laughs> so true. <laughs> uh, Jorge said the hell scene is nuts. It I kind thought, of is. I thought it's pretty cool. It, yeah. I like this idea that heaven and hell are just other versions of this very world that we are occupying. The hell is obviously horrible. Yeah. <laughs> it um I think this is one of the reasons why I wasn't super surprised when Stranger Things did the upside down because mm-hmm. I'd seen stuff like that like in this movie where it's like, no, hell is it's this but it's all kind of destroyed it's and all ugly. messed and up and yeah. everyone's getting tortured. And yeah. You don't think it looks like what uh, all the Italian artists depicted? Of yeah, this? like Dante's Inferno and all that yeah. shit. But yeah, it's kind of like the Upside Down where it's like it just looks like this, only gross. Yeah. <laughs> I think the... What's the name of that whole poem? The Divine Comedy? The Divine Comedy. Yeah. I think that is the inspiration for what most people think yep. hell would no it's, be hun- like, it's 100%. Like, it's, it's all based on that. Yeah. It's not based on the Bible. No, it's based on... The Divine Comedy. Yeah. 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 Which is a great story, by the way. It's kind of messed up. I read it in high school. You're pretty well read over there. Look at you. Texas education is actually pretty decent. All right. There you go. (laughs) It's not the Florida education system, okay? All right. (laughs) 
Meanwhile, the priest from the beginning of the movie, who can hear voices, hears of Isabel and visits her corpse at the morgue. Touching her body, he feels possessed and runs into a liquor store. Despite trying to drink several bottles, no alcohol will pour into his mouth. He dies on the floor, liquid spilling from his body. Balthazar watches on. This was weird to me at first. Was the liquor store just the closest place and he was just trying to drink something? I think he has an alcohol problem because he took out a flask from his jacket when he was in the morgue. He starts freaking out. The flask is empty, so he runs into the liquor store because he is absolutely panicked. Because he couldn't drink anything. So apparently... It was just a weird sequence of events. You know, here's some okay CGI, and you can only really find it if you were looking for it. The bottles. Like, he is pouring bottles out. Nothing is coming out. Nothing is coming out, but the liquid inside is flowing out. Yeah. That was pretty cool. It was really interesting. Especially, like, when he, like... He go like that. There's nothing, and then he like lays the bottle down, and then, and then liquid, liquid starts comes pouring out. out. Yeah. yeah, so the liquid won't go in him, but it will pour out. Right. But and and you can see that they used empty bottles, and all the liquid was done in CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, it works better when it was in the bottle. So like when you you know when you pour a bottle out, you see air coming into the bottle, and it kind of splashes inside the bottle. Right. All of that is CGI. That looked good because it's like masked in the bottle. Mm. Uh, when he sets them down and you see liquid kind of pouring out free flow, that kind of looked like CGI. Like uh, when he stuck like the, I guess it was a champagne bottle back in the yeah, in fridge. Yeah, in the fridge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something told subtextually here too is that he he has some power to listen to voices. Yeah. Uh, he can scan through newspaper articles and like find an interesting death or possession. That's kind of how he informs Constantine of where to go. Yeah. And he'll be like, oh, something's wrong here. Yeah. But he needs that amulet, the Holy Trinity, to kind of keep him safe and keep the voices at bay, I think. And so by otherwise he kind of goes crazy, I guess. And by virtue of Constantine asking for it back, kind of drove him nuts. That sucks. Yeah. Sucks. (laughs) (laughs) At a diner, Constantine tells his backstory to Angela. As a kid, he was terrified by seeing possessed bodies or half breeds as he calls them. Angels and demons living among us trying to influence souls towards their goal. As a teen, he committed suicide and went to hell before returning. Since then, he deports half-breeds who break the rules and is hopeful enough work will guarantee his retirement into heaven, but is ultimately faithless. So this made me think, like, when he sees, like, for example, um, Gabriel, most people just see, like, a regular person. Yep. He sees the wings, though. That was told really well because in that scene, we didn't mention it, he walks in to speak to Gabriel... Angela happens to be there. It's a coincidence. She's and they going look there to at talk the, to the, the, priest. the priest. Yeah, She doesn't notice that Gabriel is remarkable in any way. No. But he sees her wings. And we don't see the wings until like he's like alone with her. Yeah. yeah. So it, it does a really good um, perspective trick where there's a theory in film called gaze. And it's, it's an editing trick to show you what the person is viewing specifically. Right. So by the act of showing Angela and Constantine together. Then they show the priest and Gabriel. They look like regular humans. Then Angela kind of walks off, then cut to Constantine, then cut back to Gabriel with wings. The editing is telling you Constantine can see this. Right. But, but normal Angela cannot. cannot. Yeah. Right. And it's just because they showed him and then showed what he's seeing. 
Yep. It's clever editing. And then th- this scene, when he explains it, that just kind of cements it that he can sure. see yep. that. Yep. Yeah. But again, I like that it's not spoon fed to you. Mm-hmm. You see it through kind of clever writing and editing and good filmmaking, honestly. Yeah. I also like while he's telling her the backstory and he's explaining kind of this competition, the kind of cold war that heaven and hell is having. They're intercutting that with the priest dying in the liquor store. Balthasar is there and he's a demon. And then it cuts to the clerk and he has angels. Uh, and it's a fun way of kind of showing you that there are angels and demons everywhere. They're all yep. around us. Yep. In a way, it's terrifying. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even though half of them are angels. like Right. They're there to help you. Most of the time, it would oh, seem. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I, I thought that was really good. The two then investigate the death of the priest, who seemingly drowned himself in alcohol. He had hastily carved a cross in a circle on his palm before dying. At the hospital, Constantine pressures Angela into thinking like her twin in search of a clue. They find a hidden message pointing to a Bible verse that doesn't exist in our Bible, but does exist in Hell's version. I thought this was super interesting. Well, it's super interesting because it's super true. <laughs> um, Though there are books from the Bible that are missing, right? Yeah, I shouldn't say super true. Uh, I should say somewhat true because somewhat based in reality yeah there the bible has gone through several different iterations right the most famous one being the king james version yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. but that's kind of different in that the king james version is kind of a retranslation of the bible okay after it had already been whittled down to its its current uh text okay because there are entire books omitted from it yeah Yeah. so it, it had changed um they had several councils to decide what should be in the Bible and what should be left out from different... They um, were deciding what was canon. Correct. That's where the word canon comes it from. It is. I, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, is this canon? No. No, fuck this one. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why, you know, especially the Catholic Church, because they were the ones that did all this, <laughs> <laughs> why they don't like some of this religious fiction because it plays with that idea that there was corruption tied to... The deciding what is canon and what is not. Here's the thing, though. I'm sure there absolutely was. Could be. The idea is, and if you're a Christian, you would believe that there is a certain level of infallibility that went with deciding what is canon and what is not canon. Meaning... You would like to believe that. I'm just saying (laughs) that is kind of a core concept in Christianity. Right. That God would have prevented any wild mistranslation of the Bible. Since this is his word. Correct. But at the same time, we <laughs> are just men. <laughs> okay, but and, that, and that's where the idea of infallibility comes from, is that when a man is infallible, when we do something that is infallible, we aren't, like, possessed or anything. Basically, God is just going to nudge us in the right direction or nudge us away from doing something that's incredibly wrong. Right. Basically... <laughs> that's kind of where the Catholic dogma lies, right? So it's right. not like we have suddenly, you know, the Pope, he's not always infallible, for example, even no, within Catholic dogma. Because he's human. No, no, no. But within Catholic dogma, he's only infallible for a very short period of time when he's doing a specific kind of teaching. Um, It's called a teaching from a chair. It's a whole word. It's a whole thing. Anyway, uh, that infallibility means when he is lecturing in this way, at least we believe 
Mm-hmm. We's a strong word because I'm I'm <laughs> I'm just saying. Anyway, Catholics, Catholics would believe, believe there we go. What the Catholic dogma would dictate is that God would prevent him from saying the wrong thing. Not all the time because we've had all kinds of horribly <laughs> corrupt popes uh, in and yeah. out. Only in this very specific scenario when he does this thing would he be considered infallible. Huh. So it's the times when he would essentially be rewriting the texts or whatever, right. or the rules or, or whatever. The idea is that that is infallible and that is, it's not a direct like line from God. It's that God is going to prevent him from saying the wrong thing. Right. At least too egregiously. <laughs> too egregiously. Okay. That's the concept of infallibility. Actually, not uh, not really that irrelevant to this movie. So let's move on. Well, I mean, uh, we were talking about like the missing missing, missing... Bible verses. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. The passage speaks of Mammon, the son of Lucifer, who has no patience for his father and wishes to cross over to rule. In order to do so, he would need both a powerful human psychic and the help of God. The guy in the chair reading the passage who works in the bowling alley is killed by a demon. Yeah. That sucked. It sucks. It sucks to be friends with Constantine. Like they you're, all, in a... <laughs> you, you're gonna die probably. <laughs> He's had two buddies already. Just croak. <laughs> Almost directly because of him. I don't know what it is about setting him in the back of a bowling alley. It has no relevance to the plot at I think all. It's just where he hides. It's a cool setting. Yeah. It's happened to where when I see a bowling alley in a movie, I think about this movie because so much of it oh, is wow. set. Behind the bowling alley, behind the mechanisms, you know? Uh, right before he died, when everything started, like, turning on and moving, I was yeah. like, that's kind of creepy. I, I think that's what it is. I think there's a certain horror element to being in a... Inside of a machine, basically. Ex- yeah. yeah. Like, anything could go wrong. It's very Final Destination, you yeah. know? I love that. And I'm, and I'm surprised that no other, like, major movie has been set, like, behind a bowling alley mechanism. Yeah. Because I've always wondered what that actually looks like back there. I only know from what I've seen in this movie. And I don't even know if it's accurate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I should go work at a bowling alley for like a week just <laughs> just to see. Angela admits to having the same gift as her sister, but has repressed it. When her sister was being committed, she denied having the gifts and carries the guilt of abandoning her sister. She pleads with Constantine to help her restore her gifts. He agrees, and they set up a ritual bathtub. She asks if she'll have to take off the rest of her clothes for it to work, to which Constantine takes a very long pause and says, he's thinking, before flirtatiously saying it's fine. Okay. Here's Sexual a little, tension. Yes. Yes, and also, here's just a little bit of really believable, like, physical acting. Right. Like you said, like, body language in Keanu Reeves, where he doesn't have a line, but he just kind of, like, looks her up and down for a little bit, takes a long pause, and just kind of smirks, and he's like, I'm thinking. <laughs> like, he's like, you, need... you can keep your clothes off. Yeah. He's like, can I trick you into taking your clothes off? Is that worth anything? <laughs> no, it's not. Let's move it's, on. That, it's, that would be terrible to do. <laughs> <laughs> he submerges her completely in the bathtub until she starts fighting for air. He holds her down, drowning her, until an explosion of water blows them away. Angela mutters incomprehensively, knowing now what to do. She finds Balthazar's coin at the scene of the guy in the chair's murder behind the bowling alley, and Constantine uses his station to build some sort of holy shotgun. So this scene also showed like how quickly like everything in hell happens compared to the real world, because 
it showed like literally like the one drop of water going, and before the water had even finished falling, she was already back. We, so she, she she had like her whole hell scene, but we just didn't see it. We mm. saw it from the real world. So similar to what we saw Constantine do earlier is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because like even her clothes were like smoking and everything too. Mm. I didn't catch all that. <laughs> <laughs> this part felt a little like a video game where he's like at a station. He's like, all right, well, let me build some weapons before I go on to my next thing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Ridiculous shotgun. <laughs> It's a great shotgun, you mean. (laughs) (laughs) The two arrive to their destination, and Constantine leans in seemingly to kiss Angela, but instead puts the Holy Trinity necklace on her, calling it a bulletproof vest. Constantine attacks Balthazar with dragon's breath, holy water, and holy brass knuckles. (laughs) He punches the (laughs) shit out of him with the brass knuckles. I'm sorry. He punches half his face off. Too fucking cool. (laughs) Constantine defeats Balthazar, pins him down, and threatens to read him his final rites so that he may be pardoned and go to heaven unless he explains how the demons are crossing over. I love how this terrifies him. (laughs) Right. He's a demon. And I think it's like... You've used some dogma against him where if you do these things by the rules, he's going to end up in heaven where he most certainly does not belong. <laughs> and he's probably going to get fucked up there. It, it kind of made me think, like, would he just start, like, burning immediately when he got there? I don't know. Would God just cast him out or would he obliterate him? Like, what would happen? What are you in- doing here? Interesting. I don't know. Balthazar finally admits their plan to raise Mammon, having found the blood of Jesus via the spear and angela constantine admits to having tricked him since balthazar did not ask for absolution balthazar's master appears to kill him and abducts angela so this is pretty on brand for constantine tricking demons Mm, and stuff yeah (laughs) Yeah. i thought that was pretty fun uh because i guess in the moment he hadn't thought this through or maybe he's not that familiar with catholic dogma but in catholicism and i mean christianity in general but like it's more specific in Catholic dogma, you have to want to be absolved of your sins. Right. You don't just get absolved of your sins willy-nilly. You have to ask for the forgiveness first. You have right. to repent, mm-hmm. right? And then you're absolved. The final rites are read to you as you're dying, basically. And it's just kind of a, a final push for you to get into heaven. And so Constantine is like doing this to him saying, I'm going to kill you, but I'm going to read your final rights to you first so that you end up in heaven. And he's all freaked out about it. And he's like, I don't want to go. At the end, he's like, you idiot. That's not how that works. You have to like ask for absolute. Like, you don't give a shit. You're not repenting. I can't just force you into heaven. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. They call him like an asshole or something, too. It's like, yeah. you have to ask for forgiveness, asshole. <laughs> Constantine and Chaz break into Midnight's bar where he convinces him to use the chair, the electric chair that claimed 200 souls in Sing Sing prison. Midnight lightly electrocutes Constantine so that he may see visions of the Mexican man who found the Spear of Destiny and has brought it to L.A. Chaz helps them make holy shotgun shells. Chaz is doing something now. He's doing something pretty cool. So fun fact about this chair, it's real. Oh. This is the electric chair from Sing Sing Prison in New York, nicknamed Old Sparky. Uh, there's Old a, Sparky. There's a whole Wikipedia article about it. Sounds like a really lighthearted name for it. Yeah. I oh, look at Old Sparky over Old there. Old Sparky over there. Yeah, it's fucking killing people. Like, <laughs> people that work there, they I guess they have a sense of humor. I don't know. I guess you have to. Do you, though? I don't know. Do you want to be morbid all the fucking time? <laughs> anyway. 
I thought it was interesting that in the movie they said that it had claimed 200 souls when in reality this chair killed 614 people. Why not just say that? That sounds... It's way worse. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought they would over-embellish because it's they, a movie. They under. Yeah. <laughs> they made it seem a little more tame. Yeah. In real life, it was way worse. <laughs> say 2,000 people. I don't know. Like... This killed over 2,000 people. Well, actually... <laughs> Except we're still doing that. And it's like, well, actually, it was more. This chair also looked exact. It's an exact replica. Oh. Um, you can find a picture. I'll link it below of old Sparky. Can you sit in it? I don't know if it's in a museum or something. Oh, I, think okay. I, I think it got moved. Is that morbid to, to do? Another, probably. Like, <laughs> hey, look at me. Photo op. <laughs> this movie, Sidebar, is the movie I think I had to stop the most to look stuff up. Because, because there's so much like cool things there's so many real world connections okay it's not just this it's you know it's the character the catholicism stuff the dogma and the fucking you know the artifacts and the relics and (laughs) it's it's such an interesting seems kind of film yeah intertwined like real history with this really well yeah yeah Uh, it's kind of my favorite part of i guess you know historical fiction like this is the history yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's like what's real and what's not let's look it up in general, I think I really love Constantine's attitude. He's very He's serious. Dry. Do you think this kind would have funny. been better if he was English? I think it'd be about the same. It depends on the actor. Okay. In this scene, like they're both like drinking. They're sharing a bottle of yeah. booze because they're about to do something highly irresponsible. Basically <laughs> suicidal. Yeah. The very end, he's like, are you ready? Constantine's like, no. He's like, cool fucking whatever like let's do it no um, but let's do it yeah he just has a he's got such a cool guy edge to him that's not too fake you know it, it feels it's not realistic. too like embellished yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it feels real yeah angela is dropped in the pool where her sister died where she encounters the mexican man invulnerable to her gunshots i wish i had found his name they don't call him anything no he doesn't even he doesn't even speak he didn't speak yeah i think at the beginning the other guy refers to him calls him a name but i didn't really write it down so uh. Um, Damn, this guy has such an important role. And did he yeah. even get a credit for this movie? He didn't talk. Surely. Chaz drops a blessed cross into the hospital water tank. Constantine reveals himself to the room full of demon half-breeds. He triggers the fire sprinklers, which spray holy water on everyone, exposing their true form for Constantine's attacks. This is Very also cool. something that happened in an episode of Supernatural. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Mexican man drags Angela back to hell where she returns possessed. Constantine and Chaz exercise her, but Mammon tries crossing over through her belly. Chaz starts praying and finishes the exorcism, but the demon kills Chaz instead. I did not see that coming at all. I was very surprised to see Chaz die. I was too. I was really messed up too. You know, we have seen two of his buddies die already. Right. But. When they introduce this spunky teenage character... They usually make it. He gets plot armor. Yeah. Yeah. You don't expect him to die, then... And it was while he was wor- well, saying that his catchphrase that he was working on. What did he say? Like, it's... He's like, I'm Chaz Kramer or something. You jackass or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, the demon, like, tosses him around the whole building. Like, slams dies, him yeah. into the ceiling and the floor a couple times and then just... Poor kid. Like, I mean... I know. He's not a wholly unlikable character. No, he was totally fine. fine. Yeah. Yeah. Also, that's not how fire sprinklers work, but I will forgive it for the sake of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Hollywood. Yeah, right. Fire sprinklers are purely mechanical. Mm-hmm. They're uh, so it's a tiny little glass bulb 
with a, a liquid inside. So when there's too much heat on it, it'll expand, break the glass. The glass acts as a stopper to the pipe, got a ton of pressure behind it, and then water comes out, right? Mm-hmm. So if you were to light uh, like a cigarette lighter on just one sprinkler head, it wouldn't trigger all the other heads. Yeah, every movie does that too. Yeah, you would need a big fire that would trigger all of them independently. I think the reason why movies do it though is because it looks cool. Yeah, but otherwise, course. why not just have somebody like pull a switch or something? That that's yeah. more realistic. Uh, Constantine tries a spell by joining his cool arm tattoos. What does that do, by the way? I didn't really. Understand it probably that. creates like a some sort of rune or sigil or something. Oh, cool! But Archangel Gabriel appears to stop him. She is the one behind all of this and has grown very weary of God's grace to mankind and not the angels. Every movie with a fucking angel, they've got the same. It's same the angel thing. that's like, oh man, God likes you guys. Why? Yeah, we're better. We're servants. After several millennia watching humans only be noble in the face of horror, she finds their behavior hypocritical. So she plans to unleash the worst horror so that humans can rise above it or die. Here's the thing, though. Her intentions aren't totally like bad. She's Okay, so she has the classic, I forget what it's called, but it's like the greater good logic where it's yeah. like all of the short-term losses are fine. They're justifiable because the ends justify the means. Right. Most times people would disagree with that, and in and in fiction, it's usually the yeah, antagonist. It's very that, like you know, greater good, big picture, but you're not paying attention to what's going on around you. Right, yeah. right, right. The survivors will be finally worthy of God's love. Constantine finally speaks to God, asking for help. As Gabriel begins to rise, Mammon from Angela's belly with the spear of destiny, Constantine slits his wrists and bleeds out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is what gives it the R rating, I think, is like depictions of suicide. Right. Even though they didn't show him actually do it, which kind of surprised me that they didn't show him actually do it. When you have like Netflix shows aimed at teenagers that show it. Yeah, but that Netflix show was kind of fucked. It was a little fucked. They don't, that shouldn't be on TV. I'm sorry. Like, that's a bit. I also hate that that's show. That's a bit on the nose. Have you ever seen Royal Tenenbaums? No, I've heard of it, but it's never great watched movie. it. I fucking love that movie. But. Uh, it's fairly lighthearted for the most part, and then there's a one scene in the middle that's like a very gruesome depiction of an attempted suicide, oh. where a character slits both their arms, like Ugh. up and down, like down the down mm-hmm. the street or and, down the road. Yeah, <laughs> it's very graphic. Ugh. I don't like seeing that, but I am like surprised that this movie didn't show that. Mm, yeah. Just before Gabriel can cut Angela open, time stops, and a man dressed in white with acidic sludge covering his bare feet appears. Lucifer greets Constantine like an old friend. Constantine tells him of the events that are transpiring in the other room with Gabriel, Mammon, and the Spear of Destiny. Shocked, Lucifer visits the hospital pool, where as time slows, he pulls Angela away. In real time, Gabriel is shocked to see Lucifer and tries to smite him in God's name, but God has abandoned her for her treason. Lucifer kills her and sends his son Mammon back to hell. For this, Lucifer agrees to Constantine's terms. He wants Angela's sister to be released to heaven in exchange for his own soul. Lucifer tries to drag Constantine to hell, but suddenly can't. Constantine's sacrifice has gained him entry into heaven. Furious, 
Lucifer reaches into his lungs and removes his cancer so that he may continue to live and delay his destiny. I love how he got so fucking petty that he just cured him of his cancer. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, you're not going to heaven. Yeah. Yeah, you're alive uh, now, idiot. Yeah. At the very <laughs> least, that decision is delayed. <laughs> I love how he's flicking him off as he's like floating <laughs> to heaven. <laughs> that is a great little bit. Uh, what do you think of this? Uh, kind of fucked up on Lucifer's part. <laughs> what do you think of Lucifer just showing up and kind of I ending the movie? Actually, I really like his conversation with. Uh, I like this scene a lot. The I don't know who plays Lucifer, but he did a really fucking good oh, job. His name is. Uh, he actually doesn't have a whole lot of credit. He he does a really good job at just. Speaking like a creep. <laughs> I thought he was great. Peter St- Stormare? Oh, actually, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He's in Minority Report. Stormare. Uh, Fargo. 22 Prison Break. Uh, he's in The Lost World, Jurassic Park. The Big Lebowski Armageddon. Minority Report. Bad Boys 2. He was fantastic. I really thought the depiction of Lucifer was very interesting. because He's, he's just a guy. He's got weird tattoos. He looks almost zombified, like he's kind of dead looking. He doesn't look lively at he all. He doesn't look like devilish, though, like in the sense that like you would imagine. Yeah, but that's that fucking divine comedy bullshit, though. That's true, too. You know what I'm that's saying? Like, like, He doesn't look like a goat. What do you think the devil would look like? You know? Oh, that goat thing is from like the 1800s. It's very Oh, new. that that's very yeah. old. No, new. Oh, new. Yeah. 1800s. Like, oh, yeah, like divine comedy two, is way before Like that. 200 years ago. Yeah. Really? Like mm-hmm. the devil looking like a. Uh, his name is Baf- Baphomet. Baphomet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Depictions of Baphomet are, are newer than you think. Huh. They seem like ancient. They're not. Hmm. Uh, I saw a whole TikTok about it. Anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. If I can find it, I'll send it to you. And when I say I saw a TikTok, I the TikToks I follow are usually like scholars who have TikToks. R- oh, right? it's not like um, it's not some random fucking person. Hey, did you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's someone who is uh, qualified to be talking about the subject. Yeah. Anyway, I quite like this uh, depiction. A pale looking man yeah. looks more dead than alive. Tattoos, white suit seems weird, but fitting. Lucifer was an angel. Right, but his feet are are gross. Yeah, it's like sludge on yeah. it or tar or something. And it's very hot or acidic. Yeah. I thought that was so cool. There's a cool details. I I love this depiction. And the way he talks is just so he's just weird. ominous, yeah. and evil and you could tell he's enjoying this. Like he really bathes in like the the misfortune of others. Like, right. I really dug it. And it did seem like the actor was actually having a really good time doing oh, this too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I, I want to get into, I mean, we're almost done with the plot. Um, this is a long one just because this is a very, like, the movie's only two hours long, but it's been a very kind it's of very plot dense, heavy. Yeah. It's been a very dense movie. There's a lot to talk about. Constantine and Angelo wake up. He leans over for what she assumes is a kiss, but he grabs the spear instead. This is just a really fun, I think. Uh, they, they keep making it seem like. Gag, yeah, running the, gag. Like, oh, oh, is he going to kiss her? He's like. No, he's just... I'm just reaching. Yeah, I'm here. just... Like, like Tony Stark Tony and Peter Stark. Parker. Yeah, I'm just going to open the door. I, wasn't, I wasn't hugging you. I'm just opening the door. <laughs> he's like, oh, oh, okay. Uh, Gabriel awakens as well. This time cast out as a human. She goads Constantine into killing her for revenge, but instead he punches her, introducing her to pain. 
a righteous act she's very proud of. Yeah, I like how she's like, oh, well, you know, you could have killed me, but you didn't. You're doing great so far. I'm very proud of you. As if she was, like, responsible for... I I like the nuance in in her character that she is... Not fully evil. She she did a bad yeah. thing. Right. But, she's, but still, she's still an angel. Right. And when she sees Lucifer, she's like, I'm going to smite you in God's name. But God no longer supports her. Right. For her treachery or whatever. Basically Unleash, unleash yeah. hell on earth. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, no, God will figure this out. She almost got away with what uh, Blackheart tried to do in the Ghost Rider movie. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> There's your Ghost Rider reference. At the rooftop where Isabel killed herself, Constantine gives Angela the Spear of Destiny to hide. They almost kiss for real this time, but Angela walks off instead. Whoa. I know, right? Constantine remarks on having to die twice before finding his path and choose some nicotine gum. Oh, look at that. He's changing. He's becoming a better person. In a post credit scene, I'd like to add, you told me about this. I didn't know this scene existed, despite having seen this movie multiple times. Oh, wow. Uh, in a post credit <laughs> scene, Constantine visits the grave of Chaz Kramer. Suddenly, Chaz appears as an angel and flies away. You think he replaced Gabriel? For a second, but does he have the resume to do so? Hmm, no. Gabriel's kind of a big name. He's a, a big <laughs> deal, right? Yeah. I would imagine someone else replaced Gabriel. And, and then God's just like, I need another angel. Yeah, like, up, he just worked his way up the hierarchy to, like, the lowest rung. It's like, you know what? Let's uh, <laughs> let's get Chaz. Chaz, you're the new guy. Hey, Chaz, the <laughs> he's cab the, driver. He's the intern. He's the intern angel. That's what he is. Honestly, though, it was, it was a nice little ending for Chaz. What it made me the most curious, and this is the uh, setup for a sequel stinger. I suppose so, That yeah. justifies, you know, the podcast or whatever. <laughs> now that they're going to go back, are they going to get... <laughs> Shia LaBeouf? Shia LaBeouf. Probably not. To be an angel. Isn't he kind of problematic right now? Yeah, but he's kind of coming back from all that, isn't he? Is he? I don't know. Is he? I don't I know. I don't really keep up. Shia LaBeouf playing an angel would be so fucking interesting, though. I'd be down for it. I Here's the thing. I don't have a problem with Shia LaBeouf. I think he's a perfectly fine actor. I think he's a little weird as a person, but... I think he's very weird. <laughs> but I, whatever, I, like... I, I've never like not liked his work, I guess. I don't think I ever really liked him that much. Not even in Even Stevens? I mostly watched Even Stevens because the girls were so cute. Oh, you didn't watch it for Louis Stevens. Not really. I think the, he annoyed me the most. Oh, he, yeah. he was mostly just running around screaming. But Donnie? No. <laughs> Tawny. Tawny. Oh, his girlfriend. His girlfriend was just so cute. <laughs> and so was uh, Ren, the sister? Yep. Oh. <laughs> I had a crush on both of them. Anyway. Whoa. Actually, you know what? I might have had a crush on them, too. Everyone did. Everyone yeah. did. Anyway, that's the movie. I think this is the best way to handle a, su- a love subplot, by well, the by way. By not doing it? By just not doing it. You got to get it on paper. Okay, we're going to do a couple things. We're going to set up some scenes. We're going to have some sexual tension. N- nothing comes but, of it. Yeah, because it's unrealistic. It like, is. Not, everybody, so- not every person that sees somebody is going to fall in love with that person. Yeah, we've seen so many of these movies where this happens. Just because there's a male lead and a female lead, they have to fall in love by the end of the movie. Not true. In real life, if you met a random person and then you had to go through this... And then they introduced you to demons? Ad- yeah, you had to go through this crazy adventure with them. You're probably not falling in love with them by the end. You're probably... Yep. Either you're going to be in therapy with them or you're going to be <laughs> good friends. You might be friends. I was going to yeah, say, you might yeah. be friends at the end of it. Sure, it's believable but by the end of this movie. They're like, well, you want to get some coffee? Like, maybe like... Maybe they'll... 
try it out. Yeah. But they're not going to be full on making out. By right. The the, especially right after this happened. Exactly. You're going to be a little traumatized. I enjoyed that very much because it felt like they had to check that box off for the studio and yet they still did it right. Which means you know? Constantine 2 is going to screw it up. Uh, I still can't believe there's going to be a Constantine 2. Also, give me more Rachel Wise. She oh, is she's just, great. She's great. She's fantastic. Uh, she's great in The Mummy. She's great in Black Widow. She's great in this. And she's beautiful. And she's beautiful. More of her, please. <laughs> um, anyway, that's the movie, guys. Let's move on to analysis. This might be one of the longer plots that we've kind of delved into just because of how dense this movie is. Only at two hours, by the way. Yeah, for such a short... Oh, I say short. Two hours is pretty normal movie length. For a movie like this, yeah. Yeah. It could be longer. I feel like two hours should be kind of the minimum. Right. But you know, I, I thought it's paced really well. I mm-hmm. thought it's as long as it needs to be. Nothing feels like a waste of time. But it is very dense. And yeah. that's why it kinda you know, we we had a lot to talk about and going you through. Absolutely have to pay attention to like almost every second of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so um story wise, I wanted to talk about the Spear of Destiny for a second. Because as I looked it up it started to sound very familiar, right? Okay. The Spear of Destiny is a legend centering around the spear which pierced Jesus' side during his crucifixion. According to myth, the Spear of Destiny was passed down through a line of kings after being found during the Crusades. It was said to have given many powerful rulers their authority, plus the ability to control their own destiny. It is sometimes called the Holy Lance and is considered a relic by the Roman Catholic Church. Oh. Does that sound like anything to you that we've seen in other, another big pop culture thing? Another big pop culture thing? A spear specifically or no. like a blade? Whatever. Like Excalibur? Whatever. It reminds me of Excalibur. It's the fucking Elder Wand. Oh, oh fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And I looked into this. It's not something people are talking about, and I think people don't really well, care that much. I don't think um, the Catholic Church wants to be associated with Harry Potter. True. But, <laughs> uh, you know, J.K. Rowling used all kinds of historical, occult, other works of fiction as inspiration. Right. And the Elder Wand in Harry Potter lore is also called the Wand of Destiny. Oh. Passed down between from wielder to wielder. And whoever wields it not only gets to control their own destiny, they get to basically do whatever they want. Yeah, it's one of the Deathly Hallows. Yeah. yeah. And it was also sort of uh, gone missing after a while. So, like, within Harry Potter, uh, I mean, if you don't know, number one, where have you been? And number two, these are huge spoilers for the end of Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, here we go. Sorry. <laughs> The wand is kind of like a legend until... I thought Dumbledore had it. Yes. The wand is kind of a legend until they realize from the wand maker, Gregorovich, that Grindelwald had it, right? Oh. And they're able to trace that because Dumbledore defeated Grindelwald in battle. In Therefore, that movie that I haven't seen in yet. In that movie that might not get made, by the way. Oh, oh. Yeah, because that one... It, the that would the be latest the, one the, did so poorly? Yes. No. I still haven't seen it. And now the new WB people are like, who knows what we're going to do now? They want to make more original Harry Potter movies with like the original cast, if they can even I don't even know if the original out. cast wants to come back. I uh, offer them enough money, they might. I'm pretty sure they do not. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, and then they find out that uh, Dumbledore has it, and it's a whole thing. It's similar to this, where in this movie, 
they are trying to Hitler found it, right? Right. And Hitler is kind of the equivalent to uh uh Grindelwald. Grindelwald, yeah. Uh, he found it, and then it's been lost ever since. Now, in real life, it wasn't lost; it was recovered. So J.K. Rowling copied Constantine. Yeah, when she I wrote mean, no. the seventh book, <laughs> <laughs> which came out what two years after this? It came out like a year, yeah, like two years after this, actually. Mm, yeah, suspicious. <laughs> no, these two works of fiction are based on the same thing. I think right, the Elder Wand right. is clearly based on the Spear of Destiny, uh, and I think that's super fun. But Wait, oh, because Hitler actually did take the Spear of Destiny. Mm-hmm. The real Spear of Destiny. Well, what is considered the real Spear of one Destiny? One of the three Spears of Destiny. One of There should only be one, but... Right. There are three that are relics that... preserved in museums that could be the Spear of Destiny. So it's one of three, or none of them. Or the Holy Lance, what it's also called. They call it that because it had the blood of Christ on it? Yep. That makes <laughs> sense. Yep. Anyway... Story. What do you, so overall, what do you think about this movie? Before we, I really liked going? it. I really love the premise of it. Just this whole like it's edgy, but it's also kind of religious, but it's also kind of sacrilegious. Absolutely. And um, it's, <laughs> but I think it's a okay. very well written story that's kind of has elements based in real history, and the character of John Constantine's just really cool. Yeah. Like and so I, much about this is just so cool, and yeah, it all works. It's very cool, like it's badass. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I think, like I said earlier, it's perfectly fine to fictionalize something important. Like, it's it's fine. This is what fiction is. Like, deal with it. Mm. It's escapism. Like, I was at church. I've been going back to church lately. Nice. Yeah, I was there. Uh, I've actually gone twice in the last few days, but one was for a funeral. Anyway, but I've been, you know. <laughs> <laughs> It fucking doesn't matter. Like, don't take it seriously. You know, can you read a book and just be like, this is a book. That's all it is. It's just fun. It's a story to entertain me. Don't fucking get all about it. Don't get your panties in a bunch. Just deal with it. Mm -hmm. It's fine. That being said, I thought this was super fun. I thought there's enough here to be an interesting, overall, well thought out film. There's a lot of like plot moving around. There's a lot of characters. And I dig all that. I don't like a story to be overly simple. Right. Um, I like when you have to like kind of stop and think, oh, well, what's this character's motivation? Well, like, oh, okay, well, why are they going to go over like there? in the case of Gabriel in this movie, like her motivations were, like you said, not totally evil, but like definitely not good. For, right. Yeah. For us as humans, you know? Yeah. But like stuff like that where it's a bit more nuanced. I like Absolutely. That. I like that. Yeah. Love that. Here's a plot thing I wanted to talk about. Movies where the bad guys, the antagonists, villains, what have you, are trying to unleash the unthinkable, right? (laughs) And then the protagonists have to stop that from happening. Now, in this kind of movie, Ghost Rider, I can name a gajillion of these, right? (laughs) It's just one plot formula, right? right? There are three possible outcomes, and I've seen all three, right? The first one is they successfully stop it from happening. Like, it doesn't happen, right? Right. The second one, it does happen, but then it is immediately reversed. Okay? So it's almost as if it didn't happen. Yes, but it did happen, though. <laughs> Number three, it happens and fuck. We lose. And now we have to deal with it. Oh, so like the Pop- ending of a season of a show that we really like. Yes. I don't uh, want to spoil it. Okay, I was also <laughs> going to say, like, Infinity War or something. You know? Oh, yeah, or... um. 
to an extent, Empire Strikes Back, but that's more of like the bad guy just kind of won and got away. Yeah, but it wasn't it, like it wasn't like they didn't unleash it wasn't like set up the entire time. Revenge of the Sith is a better example. Yeah, it yeah. happens. That's yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But it happens. It's bad, and either the movie's over or you have to deal with it, and maybe a sequel, right? And maybe it's reversed in the sequel. Or has or there not. ever been a movie where like that happens and it's like the end of the first act? Because I feel like that'd be really interesting. Like the first act of the movie is like that thing happening, and then the rest of the movie is them dealing with it. Well, I think Endgame kind of does that a little bit, right? Endgame like, starts after the snap, yeah, though. But then there's like they go, they're like, "Oh, we're gonna go get Thanos," and they kill him. They're like, "All right, what we now? Fuck- yeah, we fucked up." Five years <laughs> later, <laughs> yeah, we fucked up. <laughs> Man, maybe we shouldn't have killed him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think of so many movies where we're watching them, and we've covered a gajillion of these, and they're like, oh, if the bad guy gets to the thing and unleashes the thing, then all the demons are going to come out, and it's going to be hell on earth or whatever. And then as we you're watching... We never actually get the, to see hell on earth. Well, though. as you're watching the third act, you're like, well, this is going to be predictable because either one, they're going to stop it from happening, and it's not going to be interesting. Right. Like, the ending is going to be boring. Number two, they're going to do Chekhov's Inferno or Demons or Hell Unleashed or whatever it is. Because Dante's if, gun. if you mention the possibility of it happening and you don't do it, then what was the point? Besides just like, oh, let's raise the stakes and make it more stressful. Yeah. But you know, And I've got yeah. an example. Um, You know, in Transformers, the first one is something I really, oh, really is not here for this. I know <laughs> something that I really hate about this movie. The entire time, the that entire movie, Optimus is saying Megatron cannot get the Allspark. That would be the worst thing that could happen is Megatron getting the Allspark. That's what the entire movie is based on. And they on. shove it in Megatron's chest. Yeah. At the end, he's like, well, fuck it. Here you go. Take it. And then it what? kills him. And it, right. Did you know that was going to happen? And if you did, then why didn't you just give it to him in the first place? <laughs> like, just nullifies the entire film. What was the point of anything? Just let him get it, like, to begin with. Exactly. Why are you even fighting over it? What do you want it for? Like, none of Are it- you going to disintegrate? None of it makes any sense anymore. So it's like, here's a movie where they're saying, here's the plot to unleash hell on Earth. We're going to release the Antichrist. It takes these three Rituals. MacGuffins. You need the girl, you need the dagger, and you need help from God. So you need Gabriel. Right. Right. They do all those things. And you've got that moment where she's about to like pierce her belly with a dagger. That will do the thing. Right. And then here comes Lucifer stops it. Yeah. So it's number one. It's stopped and we never get to see right. the hell on earth. Is that good? Or is it just good because the whole Lucifer twist was interesting to watch? I think the Lucifer twist was interesting. I think that's what it is, too. I think this is maybe one of the I think this is a very good example of it doing what. the best predictable yeah. ending ever. Yeah. Because <laughs> they stopped it. And I was thinking, is is this a Deus Ex Machina? Where, like, Lucifer just shows up and saves the day, basically. Well, I think Constantine kind of brought him there prematurely Wait, by... By killing himself. By killing himself, yeah. yeah. He's like, well, if I kill myself, Lucifer has to show up. But also... Well, if I, I, I don't know if he knew Lucifer would show up. And he tricked him, too, because he's like, if I do it in order to save another person's life... It's is a that sacrifice. a sacrifice? Yeah. Therefore, it's a loophole. Loophole. <laughs> and Lucifer was too dumb to think about that. Yeah. Which you'd think, you know, being like infinity years old, basically, he'd, yeah. uh, he wouldn't be that dumb. 
No, I guess he's that dumb. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm fascinated by this formula, and I want to bring it up as we watch more movies like this. But it, I could think of a million examples. Um, uh, Dr. Mordred, you know, and they're like, oh, we're, they're going to release those demons. And they keep on crawling out of that thing, but by the end, they just get shoved back in. After they have the cool dinosaur fight? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that movie, the more I think about it, I think the more I like that movie. And I think I kind of liked it Mordred, to begin with. Yeah, yeah, Mordred. Better than Strange. I don't was. even remember what I thought about it. And it was only like four it's, months it's ago. It's such a fucking weird movie. Like three months ago or something. It, it wasn't felt that like long a fever ago. dream. Yeah. Yeah. Black Adam, that was one where they're like, oh, this thing can't happen. And then it happens. And then they just reverse it five minutes later. They reverse it way too quickly. In that. <laughs> it was very anticlimactic. Yeah. Yeah. Cinematography. I think this movie looks really good. It's a very pretty movie. For a dark movie, it's very pretty. Directed by Francis Lawrence. What's he done? I Am Legend. Okay, this was better than that. <laughs> Three out of the four Hunger Games. Oh, okay. And, and Red Sparrow. Oh, with uh, Mystique. Yeah. The, the also, new Mystique. Also Red Sparrow. Also Jennifer Lawrence. Mystique. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah, this was a, a beautiful movie. Even like Hell looked beautiful in a horrifying way. I think without some of the visuals, this movie wouldn't have worked as much. No. I quite enjoyed it. I, I think this movie was made at the perfect time, too, and like technology that, and stuff. It's got that edginess to it, too. That, it's got that, that edginess. Early 2000s edginess. Yup. Because as I was watching, like, tonally, this movie also reminds me a lot of The Covenant and, like, oh. Underworld and, you know, like, yeah. the edgy supernatural stuff. What's well, like Ghost Rider and, like, Ghost Rider. Daredevil. Yeah. But, like, done better than that. Oh, this is much better than both of those. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, like, I genuinely really like this movie. And I see why people get excited about this movie. Does it have a cool following or something? Like? I think it might. So, um, anyway, yeah, I, I think as we were dissecting the plot, we really got in-depth, so. Yeah, with our thoughts um, and stuff. With our thoughts, yeah. Overall, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. Keeper Cancel, Keanu Reeves. Oh. Uh... Let's just keep them. Let's call it a day. Yeah. (laughs) Did you know it's a great time to be Keanu Reeves? Keanu Charles Reeves, born in 1964 in Beirut, Lebanon. He's Lebanese? That's a good question. Is he Lebanese or is he a Canadian? I think he's Canadian. Okay. He was just born in Lebanon? His mom is English. His dad is American who has native Hawaiian, Chinese, English, Irish, Portuguese descent. Oh, that's, uh, that's very mixed. So he is essentially half Hawaiian, half English. Born in Lebanon, moved to Canada. <laughs> what a... What a mix. Yeah. So his breakout role is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, 1989, spawning two sequels, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey in 1991. I love and the, Bogus Journey. The newest one, Bill and Ted Face the Music 2020. I haven't watched that one yet. And I a legacy keep sequel. Meaning to. I've never seen Bill and Ted. Oh, I actually really like those movies. I've se- very funny. Did I see the thing at Universal Studios? I don't think I did. They used to do like Halloween Horror Night shows. Yeah. Yeah. Where they would like travel through time and stuff. Well, all I know is that it's, so yeah, it's a time travel comedy. Yeah. That's it. That's all I know. Oh. I should probably watch that. I think they're rather enjoyable. My Own Private Idaho. These are other movies, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> quickly got into action hero pictures, right? So Point Break. That's a popular one. 
So when he's a surfer, infamous surfer, surfer bro, cop, uh, cop, cop, undercover surfer, shoots his gun in the air. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and speed. I saw speed as a kid. I don't remember. Any I don't remember of it. if it was good or not. I remember the premise. I think it was probably okay. <laughs> speed two is considered a horrible movie. Speed two, cruise control. It's called cruise control. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those movies known for having like the worst sequel subtitle. <sighs> yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Well, Too Fast, Too Furious is not a good title either. Oh, it's not, is it? No. Um, he was not involved in Speed Two, by the way. <laughs> uh, Sandra Bullock did come back though. Why? Good question. <laughs> uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. He plays Jonathan Harker. Whoa. I know that's he's kind of Jonathan's kind of the main character. Him and Mino, right? I think so. Yeah. Also, he plays roles named John quite a bit. Can you only think of Jonathan two? Harker? Oh, three. John Constantine. Um, John Constantine. Isn't his name John Ander? John Anderson. Anderson in yeah. The Matrix. John Wick. John Wick, yeah. Uh, that's the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula movie. Oh. I've seen it once a long time ago. Is Nick Cage it's involved? It's insane. No. <laughs> um, he was in Much Ado About Nothing. Shakespeare movie. The Devil's Advocate. Have you ever seen this movie? No. He is a lawyer. He's like a young up-and-coming lawyer who ends up working for the actual devil. Oh, so he's literally the devil's advocate. Yeah. That's, he, that's funny. As played by uh, Al Pacino. Wait, is it a comedy or is it like serious? I don't remember. I saw it a long time ago. I think it might be a drama. Huh. Before he's in The Matrix. The Matrix is something we and could it's spend various sequels. Yeah, yeah, and all its sequels. Uh, Matrix is something we could spend in a whole podcast talking about if we wanted to. It's not a comic book movie, or is it? It's, it's that's a whole thing. Oh, it's uh, one of those things where it's like I feel like the Matrix falls under the same category that like Transformers would. Well, the Matrix like it becomes like multimedia, including comics. Well, kinda, but it's also maybe plagiarized. Really? Yeah. Off of a comic? Off of a comic, um, yeah. A uh, manga, probably? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa! Uh, and that's a whole thing, whether or not, whether it is or isn't. There was some light litigation that happened, so who, who's really to say? But anyway, he landed that role because guess who turned it down? Oh, uh, Will Smith, right? Will Smith, yeah. To do Wild Wild West. I think so. <laughs> Which I personally enjoyed, but I also understand it's not a good movie. That's a horrible decision. <laughs> horrible decision. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway uh so he's obviously in the matrix matrix reloaded matrix revolutions or he's like a classic anime hero kind of yeah <laughs> uh and the new matrix resurrections which i loved for half of it and then hated for half of it interesting uh, i recorded a rant it's on here somewhere scroll go find it anyway the replacements have you ever seen that movie i know the title i've never watched it though. really fun just lighthearted sports comedy where Basically, the NFL goes on strike, and uh, they the NFL still wants to play the games. So the players go on strike. The team has to just get a bunch of walk-on replacements. Huh. Um, and among them is quarterback... Keanu Reeves. <sighs> Keanu Reeves, yeah. <laughs> I saw a Disney Channel cartoon called The Replacements, and it was about two kids that call a company, and they just replace the things they don't like in their life. Weird. They replace their parents with spies. Ew. I don't like that at all. It was very weird. It was a weird <laughs> show. <laughs> uh, something's Gotta Give. You ever seen that movie as well? No. I haven't seen that many Keanu movies. 
something's got to give. It's uh with uh with Jack Nicholson and Diane. How do you forget Jack Nicholson? I'm really bad with names. He's the Joker. I know. <laughs> uh, the Lake House, a little reunion with Sandra Bullock. I fucking hate that movie. I hated it so much when I saw it. I don't know why I was taken to a theater to see the Lake House. It's like a, it's like a rom com. It's not a rom com. It's like a straight up romantic movie. When did you see it? When it came out. When was that? I don't know, two thousand five, six, or something. Oh, wow. Okay. It's a, it's like a time travel thing. But not the time traveler's wife. But not like a fun time travel thing. It's like... Depressing. Yeah. I didn't like it at all. Whoa. Uh, anyway, Man of Tai Chi. You've probably never heard of this movie. No. However, here's something interesting. Directed by Keanu Reeves. What? Uh, it's a Chinese-American martial arts movie. Directed by and starring Keanu Reeves. Box office bomb. No one saw this movie, but I just find it very I don't think interesting. Anybody's heard of this movie? Exactly, and I find that very interesting. Apparently, he was praised for his directorial debut. Oh wow! So maybe so it's he good. did a good job. Just nobody saw it. Correct. He seems to be really into martial arts lately. Yeah, after that, he did Forty Seven Ronin. Oh, where he's the did white you see that Ronin. Movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that one. I actually I didn't hate that movie. I thought it was totally fine. Is it like Last Samurai? In premise, it's similar, yeah. Oh, yeah. Last Samurai is a movie that's pretty good, and then after a while, you think about it, and, they're like, and you're like, why did they ever decide to make a samurai movie starring Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise. Like, that's ridiculous. What? How strange. Like, why? why? On paper, why did they... Get, anyone like Donnie Yen to do it. Just anybody else. And by anybody, I mean, get a fucking Japanese person to do this. <laughs> this doesn't make any goddamn sense. Uh, um, it is what it is, I guess. <laughs> Uh, John Wick. Have you seen John Wick? I haven't seen John Wick. I've seen the first two. I feel really out of the loop. They're very good action Wick, movies. Yeah. It's weird because they're. I feel. I feel like they're kind of light on plot, but the world they're in seems to have so much like lore to it, like the assassin, like underworld that he's a part of. But I feel like the movies themselves, heavy on the action, kind of light on the plot. It's it's a weird balance. Okay. They they are a fun watch though. Just don't expect anything groundbreaking. Like I wouldn't call them masterpieces by any means, but fun action flicks for sure. So John Wick two, three, which is also called Parabellum, four, and the upcoming spinoff Ballerina, starring Anna de Anya. Anya. I thought it was Anya Taylor Joy. Is it Anya Taylor? Am I wrong? God damn it! <laughs> I don't know. Oh, she's gonna be Furiosa. In Furiosa. That's, yeah, okay. So yeah. a different spinoff. <laughs> yeah. Right, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was in the movie Keanu, which might be a spoiler, actually, because the <laughs> that movie... movie's about a cat named Keanu. <laughs> right, but then he's in it also. Yeah. So I think that's a spoiler because I remember when the movie came out, I was like, oh, it's it sounds like it's going to be about Keanu Reeves, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if he has a big role in that movie, though. It might just be a cameo. Yeah, I think it's But that's small. made by Kiampio, right? Kiampio. Both of them? Yeah. The Bad Batch, not it's not the Star Wars one, so don't <laughs> I actually don't know what that one's about. Uh Replicas, Toy Story 4. Pretty good. I don't remember uh he, he plays I haven't a seen toy. Toy Story 4. I thought it was pretty good. Hmm. Always be my maybe. I just recently watched this one. By recently I mean my, in the last year. I've never heard of it. Uh it's a rom-com. Starring Ali Wong and Randall Park. Oh, Randall Park, uh, Jim Halpert. Yeah. So this is the one where they're kind of 
it's a will they won't they they're kind of friends uh and maybe they'll be lovers but then keanu reeves shows up playing himself by the way uh, because she ends up like dating keanu reeves you know what i think i saw this scene because my sister was watching this movie it's hilarious he does a great job he was also in uh the one of the more recent spongebob movies as himself Oh, yeah, I almost wrote that down, but I didn't. <laughs> but that's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. No, he plays a very, like, heightened version of himself. It's very extreme. Uh, he's very full of himself. Like a crazy actor who has no, like, sense of reality so anymore. So not real Keanu. Probably not real Keanu, but it's just fun that he can he can do that. make fun of himself yeah. or whatever. Yeah. DC League of Super Pets, which we talked about. We have a whole episode about Yeah, he plays Batman. Talks about his dead parents a lot. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, also, a couple video games. Enter the Matrix. He plays Neo. He plays Neo, but it's not in video game form. It's in cinematic form for the cutscenes. Because they they were, oh, they literally filmed like a little short film for this game. A little movie yeah. for the game. Yeah, they filmed uh, it while they were doing the movie. Starring Jada Pinkett Smith, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Will Smith didn't get in that, the Matrix, that but was she kind did. Of the, yeah, that was kind of the joke, is that like uh, a few years later, she came in to do the sequels. Cyberpunk 2077. He is a major character in that. Yeah. Are you playing that? Have you played it? I've played a few hours of it. Okay. It's like a big RPG, right? Big open world <laughs> RPG. Um, all right. First off, it was like super hyped before it came out. Then it came out and everybody was shitting on it because it was like super buggy and stuff, hmm. but it has since been like patched up and stuff and a Netflix anime came out that was also based on like the world of the game. Did it have Keanu Reeves? I don't know if he was in the anime. But uh people are now going crazy playing the game again and it's kind of had a resurgence. Oh. Also in the Matrix Awakens, which was like a it was like a video game event that you could kind of play through. Is that uh very recent? Yeah, it was like, it was for the movie, for the resurrection. I movie. played that. It's almost like a tech demo, but they right. themed it in the Matrix. It's a tech demo for the new like Unreal Engine. Gotcha. But they gave it a Matrix skin, which actually works really well with the world of the Matrix. It kind of shows what video games are going to look like very soon. It's beautiful. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, no. I was thinking of Berserker. Yeah. So it's a comic book series that will be... Sorry. Was uh, co-written by Keanu Reeves. Huh. Published in 2021. Oh, uh, and like last year. Right. And he's expecting to star in a film adaptation of it. Oh, okay. Uh, also, he will be in two more John Wick sequels, four and I guess a five. Anyway, I got a funny quote here from Shia LaBeouf, by the way. <laughs> About Keanu? Yeah. Okay. Uh, apparently, during the production of Constantine, director Francis Lawrence commented on his personality, calling him hardworking and generous. His co-star Shia LaBeouf said, I've worked with him for a year and a couple months, but I don't really know know him that much <laughs> what <laughs> apparently he's a very private person keeps his distance from other people maybe he just doesn't like you shy <laughs> i could see him being just kind of a reserved guy though his casual personality and ability to establish rapport has been observed by the public leading him to be dubbed the internet's boyfriend <laughs> there was a year it was like 2020 or 2019 where every single month People were like, like photographs of Keanu Reeves with fans were like emerging on the internet, and everyone kept on like, like on Reddit, everyone kept in, 
kept on expecting Keanu Reeves' next good deed. Because it was always like he's someone always like doing something nice for people. Yeah, it was always like, oh, like I got a flat tire and Keanu Reeves helped me change it. <laughs> <laughs> he just pulled over and helped. Like someone pulled over and it turned out to be Keanu Reeves and he, oh, and he gave me a ride. Like just being like a sweetheart. <laughs> I remember the like him eating the sandwich on the bench and it, he looked sad. <laughs> oh, that's this one. Sad Keanu. Yeah. The sad Keanu meme. He downplayed the photo saying, man, I was eating a sandwich. I was thinking I had some stuff going on. I was hungry. (laughs) He was just having a regular moment in his life. Yeah. An unofficial holiday was created when a Facebook fan page declared June 15th as Cheer Up Keanu Day. Oh, my God. (laughs) There's another, like, um... Picture of him going around, like, uh, I guess some, like, girl fans are taking a picture with him, and he's, like, doing the hover hand. Like, he's, like, purposely, like, not touching them. not touching them. Yeah, you don't want to touch strangers. I get it. Uh, You get in trouble for that. Yeah. Hover hands are weird, but at the same time. He makes it work. Don't touch strangers. Look up his (laughs) hover hand. It's... I believe it. (laughs) Uh, And then lastly, um, just to touch up, we actually mentioned this last week, his uh, little fake feud with friends... Star oh, Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry. Yeah, where in a book, Matthew Perry said, "River was a beautiful man," as in River Phoenix, Joaquin's Phoenix brothers. Okay. Uh, River was a beautiful man inside and out. Too beautiful for this world. It turned out. It always seems to be the really talented guys who go down. Why is it that the original thinkers like River Phoenix and Heath Ledger die, but Keanu Reeves still walks among us? Uh, this portion of the memoir received such immediate colossal backlash that Perry quickly apologized for his comments about Reeves yeah the media kind of made it a big thing sure yeah Keanu thought the comments came out of left field said an insider it kind of backfired on Matthew anyway which is why he had to apologize I feel like somebody was like Keanu did you hear what Matthew Perry said about Reeves what it's a horrible thing to say about a person who's still alive yeah like you say that about a, a genuinely awful person, of which there is no shortage of. Like, there's no shortage just happened to of pick awful the nicest people fucking person <laughs> in Hollywood. Just fucking pick. I don't know who are all the people we were just Weinstein. talking about recently. Yeah, pick Harvey Weinstein still lives. By the way, I know he's in trouble, but he still lives. So does uh fucking um Kevin Spacey. Oh yeah. Kevin Spacey's alive. He's done some horrible things too. I don't know. Say him. Like <laughs> there's a good actor who shouldn't be He he is a good w- actor, but also work, fuck him. Working or living among us. Yeah. Like, right? Like <laughs> Bill Cosby, he's alive. He got off with it. Like That's insane to he's me. He's out of jail now. Like, pick so many other people than Keanu it is Reeves. It's insane to me that Bill Cosby got off. <laughs> At the end of the day, I feel like he he made those comments. In his memoir, he wrote it down. He picked a random. I believe him when he said. I, I believe him too. I he really picked do a believe. random actor. He's just like I'm. Just gonna put an actor's name here. Whatever. It'll be funny. Yeah, and I truly believe that his publicist, whomever uh, the powers to be, were like, "Fuck it, this is gonna get us." Like this will sell books. Yeah, people will hear. They will create controversy, and controversy is good for business, even if you're on the wrong side of it. It is. Yeah. So uh, Keanu Reeves, keep her cancel. Keep him. He seems like genuinely nice guy he seems so genuine and i love that one of the highest paid actors in hollywood can be down to earth enough to park his motorcycle have a sandwich (laughs) and just help people on the street and uh there is an interview with him when he's for the new matrix movie like just doing a press tour and then 
because this is around the same time like he's in that cyberpunk game. Uh huh. The interviewer told him that a bunch of people are making mods for the game to where they can have sex with this character, and he got so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Like, he got, like, genuinely happy about it. That's he's, awesome. He's like, that is awesome. <laughs> uh, he's a good guy. He's just happy that people love him. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't you be? Like, if it were you or me, like, I'd be like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Nice. Anyway, yeah, keep. Love him. Absolutely keep. Uh, even as an actor, I think he's I think he's fine. I think he's good. Like you said, physical acting matters. It's not just about his monotone voice. Yeah. No, like, and he does a great job in this movie. All right. Phantom into, Zone. Into the Phantom Zone, Birdo. Hell no. Constantine. Movie is so fucking good. Okay, you really like it. I really like it. It's the perfect thing. It's the perfect <laughs> thing. <laughs> I've already said all my thoughts on like how I feel about it, so I, I don't know how much more I can add, but like, no, this is not going to the Phantom Zone. I'm so happy that they decided to do a sequel. I'm I'm cool with it. I love this movie. I really do like it. When I watched it, I, I was looking at it through the lens of this is an early 2000s movie, right? right. It's on five. It still has some of those edgy tropes. It also plays those to its advantage. I think it's filmed very well. It's not remarkable in any way, but it does exactly what it needs to do. And it I think it does it really well. And it avoids any pitfalls of the era or major kind of tropes. Like, it breaks kind of what your expectations would be. I thought it was really good. Even handling the spunky young sidekick. You know, you throw Shia LaBeouf in there and you're like, oh, fuck, this is going to be a whole... Here's, like, the kid sidekick being annoying. And, and they, he's not that they annoying. flip that a little bit. And then also he dies. <laughs> so <laughs> that really got me. Like, I did not see that coming. People should watch this. Especially knowing there's a sequel coming. This is literally out of the Phantom Zone. The movie studio is pulling it out of the Phantom Zone. Yeah, they, they did our job for us. Yeah. So they're making a sequel to this with Keanu Reeves. Go watch it because I thought this was pretty good. Yes. And I would, I'd watch it again. So anyway, guys, that's it for us. Um, Next movie. What, what movie are we doing next, Bird? Have we decided? No. Oh, wait. Oh, our next thing is a Guardians Holiday Special, right? Guardians Holiday Special, a review. But then the next movie we're going to do. Oh. I think what we should do. Power Rangers. Yeah. I think we should do some Power Rangers stuff. All three? We could maybe do at least two. And then Transformers. Slow your roll. (laughs) I think Power Rangers just because Jason David Frank just died. Right. And, oh, that hurts. And I think maybe we should go back. And uh, he is in literally all three of the Power Rangers movies that we decided we're covering. So. He is. Um, he's also in... I don't know if it's a fan-made thing or if it's like a real thing. It's called Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe. Yeah, Ninjak is a Valiant character. I He plays Bloodshot. Okay. The character Bloodshot. that Vin Diesel also played in a Bloodshot movie yeah. recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he plays that. I think Bloodshot's on our list. I, this other one, I'm, I'm curious if it's eligible or not. But no, he. we can definitely do the Power Rangers, though, and I'm down with that because, okay. one, I genuinely like those movies. So we're going to do the Guardians uh, Holiday Special uh, a review. However, the next major movie we'll do on our list is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, yes! the movie from, like, 90-whatever. And we could talk about Super Sentai. Yeah, so it's 
it's a bending of the rules, much yeah. like this, where it's not based on a comic. No. But there are comics... There's a long-running comic book series. That is apparently really good. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Sp- specifically on Mighty Morphin. Yeah, it's like the more recent one's the one people like. It's uh, made by, like, Boom Studios, which is who Keanu was co-writing that one comic book for. Oh, cool. Uh, anyway, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you to that piano dude for our musical intro. Uh, make sure you leave a rating and review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Please tell a friend. And thank you so much for telling a friend. If you want to support the show, you can do so on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. And you get access to our second podcast, Where's Mephisto? Birdo, what are we doing on Where's Mephisto? Uh, right now, we're looking for him in Andor, the big geeky show currently streaming yeah we look whatever is streaming we've done uh, a lot of things uh you can also get our outtakes episodes on there uh if you want to talk to us about the week you can do so on our discord server it's absolutely free to join just scroll down click on something join discord it's a fun little chat thing we hang out there all week social hell yeah it's great all these episodes are streamed live on twitch so if you want to be a part of the show as you've heard some of our friends chime in throughout the recording you can do that monday nights twitch.tv slash films from pz uh hang out with us like our friend garrett our friend philly our friend summer our friend jorge our friend real comic book talk and arculus had a good little group today yeah uh you can find us on instagram at films from the phantom zone you can find us on twitter films from pz tiktok films from pz and Last but not least, all these episodes are on YouTube if that's how you like getting your podcasts. But uh, other than that, that's it for me, Birdo. Is that it for you? I think that's it for me. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week. We'll be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, Holiday Special, and then Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. Yeah. Except it's not canon. We'll get into it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, we will talk about that, actually. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye.